Knockback is brought to you by thousands of supporters on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand. If you want to show your support for Knockback, as well as CLS's PlayStation podcast, Sacred Symbols, the eclectic interview series, Fireside Chats, and the YouTube gaming series, SideQuest, please consider going to Patreon and pledging for a monthly amount that makes the most sense for you. Your Patreon support doesn't only ensure that CLS continues to produce the content you love, like Knockback, but you can get cool perks, too, depending on your level of support. You can get early access to each episode of Fireside Chats, Sacred Symbols, and Knockback totally ad-free. You can vote for show topics and provide feedback to be read on air. You can listen to exclusive podcasts only available to patrons, and much more. Your support is essential if Colin's Last Stand is to continue well into the future, so please consider showing some love. Again, that's patreon.com slash Stand. Thank you for your kindness, generosity, and support. Without you, CLS wouldn't exist. But enough of that. On to the show. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Colin's Last Stand Knockback. My name is Colin Moriarty. Today I'm joined by, I don't know, would you be an Autobot or a Decepticon, Dagan Moriarty? I don't know. what. Who, who would you want to be? I'm an Autocon. An Autocon. Okay. Very complicated. <laughs> a you're, like an, you're like a mercenary. A Deceptibot. <laughs> you're a mercenary. Now, Dagan, today's episode is going to be about the Transformers. And similar to some other topics we've done about anime, about we just recorded one yesterday about skateboarding in the 80s, etc. This is one I want to throw you a meatball right down the plate. Nice. So you can hit it. Because I think something that will surprise people out there is that I don't know anything about the Transformers. Like, I, I, I don't want to say anything, but I don't know very much about the Transformers. Let's put it that way. And I just was never really, I, it never appealed to me. And I don't know if it's because I don't care about cars, maybe, or I was just kind of in this middling place where I was in the... G.I. Joe and Turtles, and I just didn't have the bandwidth for Transformers, or whatever the case might be. I don't know You what came out the same year as Transformers. Exactly. <laughs> but the interesting thing is that I came out two years after G.I. Joe, and I was obsessed with them. That is so actually it can't, a good point. Sure. So it can't be that, I don't think. There's got to be... That's my Transformers. That's, your, that's, that's when they're transforming. It's impossible to do with your mouth. You can't do you, it. You can't do it? Don't challenge people out there, because they'll do it. Now, Dagan, before we get into it, I want you to choose a number between... Let's just say 1 in 50. Oh. Can you do that for me? I can. Let me think. Give me a number. Let me see if I can think of a relevant number that I would like to choose. I would just go random this time. We'll just go sweet 16. How's that? 16? 16. 16 candles. Okay. 16 is Michael Renner. Michael, I actually know Michael Renner. Like I, I don't, I, I've met him before at, at oh, cool. Kind of Funny Live. And, oh wow! Cool. And uh, th- so people might be a little confused out there. I'm looking at a list, a randomized list of names okay. of people that were at the fifty dollar level or higher, supporting us on Patreon.com/slash Collins Last Stand last month. Now at that level, we and by last month, we're recording this in June, so you're probably hearing this much later than that. But I'm talking about May. And what we do on Patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand, if you support the show at $50 a month or higher, even if you just do it for a month or whatever, we, we chronicle that. And then you get a piece of art from Dagan, a, a piece of hand-drawn art that we, we get printed out on nice paper, Dagan signs it, we send it off to you. But one lucky winner also gets paintings from Dagan. Or a painting. But this month, it's paintings. Yes, yeah, too. And, and Michael Renner is the winner of the paintings. So, Michael, you're going to be getting these. Now, the paintings are from the Ninja Turtles. Yes, and we did two paintings just as we've done actually two pieces of art that we're sending out to everyone except for instead of one. 
And the paintings are awesome. You were showing them to me before. They're, they're two different things. Uh, two turtles on each of them. Really nice. We'll set, I think we've already taken a picture and put them online, but we'll yeah. do that again. So, Michael Renner, you're not getting the prints of the turtles in the mail. You're going to get the actual ha- uh, hand-painted, one-of-a-kind, Look at that. beautiful paintings that Dagan made. You lucky of the devil. Ninja you son of a gun. You sons of... No, we won't you go there. You sons of <laughs> bitch. Sons of bitch. That's <laughs> <laughs> terrible. My... Michael, I was rooting for you. Uh, we, we were rooting for you, Michael. And so, Michael, congratulations on that. And I, I want to just remind everyone, you know, obviously Knockback, a retro-inspired show, a nostalgia-inspired show. You can support it at patreon.com slash Stand. You certainly don't have to support us at that high of a level. But even if you support us at $1, $2, $5 a month, etc., you get different perks, and it helps us continue to do the show. Uh, I pay Dagan very handsomely to do the show with me, and so we want to... We want to make sure to continue to do that, but you know, also in a more serious way, we we you know buying equipment and traveling back and forth and and all of those kinds of things. It just helps us keep going. Thank uh, you for building my summer house. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. <laughs> it's certainly. I'm my thanking pleasure. the fans. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, because it all goes through me. I'm the conduit. <laughs> That's true. I'm the conduit. That's true. Thank you too. You're very welcome. <laughs> uh, no, but your support's really helpful. But even if you don't uh, choose to support us on Patreon and you listen through the fr- free feeds, it's very helpful for us if you rate us and 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 write nice reviews for us on iTunes. And I thought you said. Google. Raid us. Oh, like raid? Yeah, like what? Raid, raid, like raid us. Yeah, like if we're ever out on a boat, don't raid us. Don't raid us. Please don't raid Even on land. <laughs> sorry, I, pref- I keep interrupting you. Even on, I don't care. Even on, even on land, I, I'd prefer if you didn't uh, if you didn't raid us. Don't raid us on land. So, yeah, your support either on Patreon, which would be great, or even if you're on iTunes, Google Play, etc., your reviews help us algorithmically find new audiences, and we really appreciate that as well. So thank you so much for your kindness and support. And hey, by the way, thank you for supporting us so generously and so kindly on, even on social media. And, you know, it's funny because I do a different show. Your chair sounds like a fucking haunted house, it's by the terrible. way. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's really does. It's a haunted chair. I was telling Dagan, so we, I do another show called Fireside Chats that a lot of you probably listen to. That's like this eclectic interview series where I invite people into my home and hope they don't kill me. And uh, and <laughs> and they <laughs> and they're always really nice people. And we have like you know we we we've we've discussed a lot of different things with a lot of different people. I recorded you know a lot of really different kinds of interviews recently. A guy with Tourette syndrome. They're great. Um, they're great shows. You know, great I, shows. I just re- uh, interviewed a lieutenant I think in the Navy who is like really into the Constitution. We talked about that and. I had a history professor on to talk about postmodernism, which is horrifying, and all these other kinds of things. So I'm saying that because Fireside Chats actually does more traffic than knockback. And I was telling Dagan that, you know, I get kind words on Fireside Chats. Some of them get circulated. Some of them, you know, the the most listened to episode of Fireside Chats, I think, is downloaded 50,000 times. So it's not, you know, it's not the small show, but we, it's a more quietly listened to show. And knockback has been getting such nice feedback from everybody. Really has been, and I really, really appreciate that. We get, we see the tweets, we see the messages, we see the posts everywhere, and we just want to thank you for that because it's really quite uplifting to know that we're touching people um, in such a positive way. And we went to your daughter's art show tonight, yes. and met uh, an art teacher that's a, a works in the district that was a, that's yep. a fan of ours, and it was such a pleasure to meet him and hear how it helped the, the, the you know. The podcast helps him out throughout his day, and Dagan was reflecting that you know we we really love the messages when the the truck driver or the the HVAC repairman or whoever out there is. I always use the HVAC repairman. I have no idea. You why. You love the HVAC repairman. I think I just love HVAC to be honest. With you. <laughs> you know how it really helps you guys throughout your day, and it helps, you know some people just are listening to it when they're cooking or listening to it on their commute. That's all. Whatever it is. I was joking around that I love the ones where people are like, I don't even do any work at work. I just listen to podcasts it's and so I really great. love it. Yeah, it's so it's, it's so, so funny. Great. I'm like, you probably might want to be a little, maybe a little more incognito. We don't want to get that. you guys fired. I mean, that's your choice. If you want to get fired, listen to knockback. That's Absolutely, your, you, you have, have that right. You have the agency to do that in of your own life. So thanks for want... bringing that up, Kyle. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to say thank you, everybody, for your kindness on social media. It's it means so much to me. 
you know, Colin's been doing this for a long time and he's a pro and he's used to dealing with his listeners and his fans and stuff like that. And the listeners have been so kind about knockback so far. And I appreciate everything. You guys taking the time to correspond. It, it means it really does mean the world to me. So thanks for it's, that. It's very cool. And I also watch what you say to Dagan. So if any of you ever mean a Dagan, um, you're going to have a problem. Watch with it. I was telling Dagan, though, I'm like, you're like an anomaly. You're like a unicorn because. Oh, don't. You're going to you're going to jinx it. All right, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Say I was just gonna, gonna say, like people, people are really taking to you. I, I, I love it, man. I, I love that you're the popular part of the show and not me. It's kind of nice. I think you just have a kind, you have a kind fan base. We do, we do have a great, we do have a great fan base. And uh, you know, I tweeted out recently too that you know some people, a lot of people shit on me online, which is fine. But I don't like when they shit on my audience. I don't think it's acceptable. And I'll, I'll fight for your guys. I'll fight. I will be the man that fights for your honor. Uh, there you go. <laughs> That came full circle tonight. I know, Peter. I know, because we saw... I Peter was telling Cetera. Dave about my Peter Cetera obsession, how Aaron lied to me in Vegas once, told me Peter Cetera was playing just to see what would happen because I was so obsessed with him. And then we saw a billboard that he was playing at like a so Atlantic City casino. I know, it's weird, right? It's it's not because you do have really an eclectic taste in music, so it doesn't surprise me, but it's just fun. It's fun. How about that? He did, he did that song in The Karate Kid as a solo artist. What was it? Uh, uh, Glory of Love. Oh, that's right. Wait, is that what you were just singing? No, uh, I will be. I am the man who will fight for. Your oh, that's a, is that a different song? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. That's a Chicago song. I think. I don't even think that's a. That might be. I don't know what the fuck we're talking about. Digging. This episode is about Transformers, <laughs> and I want to specifically kind of relegate this. I emailed you about this because this is a big topic. We're going to talk about. We can talk about Beast Wars. And we can talk about the movies and shit. But I really want to relegate this to Generation One. I think that's what they call it, right? Gen One. Yeah, G One. And kind of go from there i don't think you really i don't know how much you know about anything else from there but since this is a more retro Nothing. podcast we do, we've done things newer than gen one of, of transformers but let's keep it within the realm of that i, I think that's it. where your expertise is that's where my that's my wheelhouse and i'm gonna be counting on you on this one because i okay. like with my notes here i can't take i have this nice you know moleskin notebook that i keep my notes it's in. beautiful and it's, it's lovely aaron bought it for me and uh, I always love a good notebook. You you have the notebook. I love that you do that. And I keep. I always like a good pen. I can't find it. I just bought a, a case of these beautiful. Oh, I think it's on the. Floor. Oh, right there. Yeah. yeah there so it is. Hold on. Pick up. go get it. Take your time. What's the rush? There's no rush. Rush. <laughs> Sons of bitch. Oh shush. <laughs> you shush. <laughs> um. So I, I I buy these notebooks. I buy these pens. By the way, these there. In case you guys are curious, there. Pilot Precise V5 Rolling Ball Extra Fine Pens. Oh, I just bought a case of them. It's a ballpoint pen. Uh, like literally like an entire Did you really? like, bajillion of them on Amazon because I never want to run out of them. They don't bleed? No. Like this is this is the quality here. You can see it here. Let me see it. Like this is. And they dry fast? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no. Sm- oh, look at your handwriting. It's exquisite. People said that. Like I, I put up my God of War notes for my review for God of War on SideQuest. Very distinctive. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I like this pen. Some pens assist you in writing neat. Some pens assist you in writing sloppy. Yeah. But people said that when I put up the notes being like, man, you have really nice handwriting. You do like, have I'm nice very, handwriting. I'm very exact with my handwriting. I don't have flowery handwriting, but it's it's very consistent. How do you get your thoughts out fast enough and still have the, uh, my I have chicken scratch doctor handwriting. I can't even read my own stuff. Eh. That's beautiful. Thank you. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. This have, podcast is all about writing. So. <laughs> <laughs> and not like the art of writing, but just write actually the actual task of writing. Oh, okay. physical writing. Yeah, physical writing. All right, so Dig, this is what I have about the Transformers. Okay, I have Generation One. I don't know if this date is right. Nineteen eighty four to nineteen ninety two. Yeah, that's what they say. I which have is the, strange, and I have three parallel things that I want to touch on here, and we can okay. touch on them in any order you think is right. Okay, all right. But I have the comic books from nineteen eighty four to nineteen ninety one by Marvel, so a, kind of a parallel to GI Joe. I don't know how much you know about those. The TV series from 1984 to 1987, I didn't realize it ran so short. Yeah, it was short. 
And then the film, 1986, the Transformers, the 86, movie. 86, the movie. Perfect. So talk to me about how you discovered Transformers and, and okay. why you took to them and and kind of how it places and how it fit into your love of Star Wars toys probably a little bit earlier and your love of G.I. Joe's concurrent to it and probably maybe a little bit later. You actually probably were collecting G.I. Joe's even longer, but I want to know how this all worked out for you. Okay. Because okay. I, when I think about you, I think about Transformers, in terms of toys, Transformers, G.I. Joe, Star Wars, maybe Mask. Yeah, I don't really think about much else. All the, those four things will play into the to, into my my arc, All right, my so trajectory. T- I've talked enough about nonsense, so take so I take love it, it away. Okay, first let me start with a joke. I got a joke for you. <laughs> All right, what the line's gonna be. I got okay. a joke for you. Hit me. Okay, which transformer has the best attitude? I don't know. Optimist Prime. <laughs> <laughs> man, oh man! I got one more. All right. What has eight legs and turns into a truck? I don't know. Octopus Prime. <laughs> I should have known that one. I didn't think carefully enough about that I one. I love these jokes. You would love them. I love stupid you, jokes. Isn't the best insult, by the way, I was talking about this the other the other week on, yeah. on Twitter. The best insult, the best passive insult is you would. You would. Yeah, like, man, I really love, man, I really love, you know, whatever. I really love cheeseburgers. You would. You would. I love that. That's actually great because and it's so, it's and so the bre- nebulous and the brevity of it. It's so nebulous. Yeah, you have no idea what it means. Can mean anything. Yeah. Oh, that's that's good. I like that. It's a great insult, isn't it? That's fantastic. All right, so Dave, hit me up. The first thing I think of is for me, it was like a a classic trilogy of properties slash toys that I was into as a kid. It started with Star Wars, of course, in the late seventies into the early eighties, and then if I'm not mistaken, I think GI Joe came first because the first GI Joe you could speak to this. The first GI Joe toys came out in eighty three, right? And I was. Oh, it was 82. The straight-arm G.I. Joe's came out in 82. So I might have even been... It, might, it, it was probably 82 for me. So it went... For for the toys that I was really passionate about and collected as a kid, it went Star Wars, G.I. Joe, and then the third thing was Transformers. And I have a very funny story with how Transformers started for me personally. And Transformers sort of shines on its own because we'll get into all the details why, but it is very different than the previous two things that I was really into. So... <laughs> I don't know if I ever told you the story before. So my friend Tommy, who I told, if you guys listen to the GI Joe podcast, he played, he he figured prominently in that story as well. So my friend Tommy was that kid in the neighborhood, just to refresh your guys' memories, that had everything. Really sweet kid, really sweet family, but he just was a spoiled kid. He had everything. So he was. I don't believe that I even saw the three episode original cartoon that Sunbow launched Transformers with. I think what I think I saw a toy first. That was my first exposure to it. And I think Tommy came over to my house one day and he had this red car. It turned out to be the Sideswipe toy, I believe. And he had this car that transformed into a robot. And I was instantly I was like, "Whoa, what is this thing?" You know, it just looked so amazing to me. And I was so jealous. I was instantly so jealous. Now, Grandpa used to take, he worked in New York City, and he used to take, we used to see them, you know, oftentimes on the weekend for Sunday dinner and stuff like that. And he would often bring me little to- books and also little toys and stuff like that from New York. So when I would see him, he'd go, oh, I have something for you, and he'd give me a little toy or a little book. And Kyle, do you remember these little, they still had, they're still around today. They're like kind of the same scale as one of the Transformer cars. Not the mini bots, but the regular size transformer cars, and they were like the little pullback racers, the yeah, little plastic yeah. cars with the rubber tires. You right. pull them back, and then they scoot along. Right? right? They they were often replicas of like real cars and trucks, police cars, Porsches, whatever it was. Right? 
I had <laughs> grandpa had given me, I believe it was like a red Firebird or a red Trans Am car. And the only articulation this thing had, they were cheap. I mean, it was sweet for him to give me. He had the rubber wheels, and it was the only t- articulation that it had, I remember, was the doors open, the two doors opened. And I talked to my friend Tommy. I think I was, for some reason, I was talking to him on the phone. And I was like, oh, I got a Transformer. And by this point, it might have been a week later or something, he, he already had a few besides the initial one that he, that he showed me. He might have had like the car and another one in Optimus Prime or something. And that now is getting really heated. Like I was like, I gotta have one of these things. So I was like, yeah, well, I got you know. He's telling me about his new Transformers. Like, I was, yeah, I got one too. Now let me preface this by saying I wasn't five. I was 10, 10, I was 10, 10 11. 11. I was eleven. I was eleven. If I was a day. <laughs> <laughs> so I co- I'm like, so I couldn't take it anymore. And I was like, yeah, well, I got one too. And he was like, oh, I want to come see it. So he totally called my bluff, and he came over. I think what happened, it was raining out, so we were talking on the phone. So he comes over, <laughs> comes up to my room. <laughs> He's like, you got this Transformer? And like, I'm trying to talk around it. I'm trying to distract him. I'm like, oh, let's play Star Wars. Let's play Playmobil toys for a while or something like that. But he wasn't having it. He wanted to see the Transformer. So eventually, I couldn't stall him anymore. I got this thing out. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and... I stood this thing up. I remember I walked over to my windowsill and I like half-heartedly stood the car on its back bumper so it was standing up. And I opened the doors to make it look like arms. And I was serious. I was trying to sell this. And I was like, he was like, I remember him just looking like it was half bewilderment and half just trying to be polite. And I was, he was like not saying anything. And I was like, yeah, the head's stuck. It won't unfold. <laughs> it's like this. Picture this little pullback racer with the doors open. And, and I'm saying the head's stuck. And I think, I don't think he ever said anything. I think he just like left. Like, what? Like, this guy's crazy. Like, this guy's completely out of his mind. And that was my introduction to Transformers. <laughs> But you know what the thing was? These toys were pretty pricey. And there was a couple of things that stood out to me, Kyle, tra- about the Transformers toys initially. And looking back, you could see it was a big difference. The first thing was that it wasn't about, it wasn't this all-encompassing thing where it was a collection featuring the action figures, the vehicles, and the playsets. So especially with Star Wars, that was like kind of the classic three things, the the three components of the toy collection that you wanted to kind of obtain, right? You wanted the action figures, you wanted the ships and the vehicles and sort of ancillary things that the characters rode on, and then the play sets. G.I. Joe was more the action figures and the vehicles. There were play sets as well, but that was more... It's funny, it kind of got pared down as it went, right? If you looked at the trajectory of it in order. Star Wars, then trans, then G.I. Joe had the just the vehicles and the action figures, really. And then Transformers was just the toy was the vehicle was the vehicle and the action figure all in one. So it wasn't about the playsets anymore. It was just about obtaining each character. And they were really pricey, but how much were they? I want to say that back then in '84, the mini bots might have been like, well, this is the thing. This was the clever bit. 
that Hasbro did, and we'll talk about the whole genesis of how Hasbro obtained the toys from Takara and all that. But I think what happened, they, they made the price for entry sort of, they opened it up by having mini bots, which I, I believe might have been four ninety nine a piece. Then the next scale up were like the cars, like your Prowl, Sideswipe, Sunstreaker, all those guys, Wheeljack, Ironhide, all those guys. They were probably, if I'm not mistaken, like nine ninety nine. And then for a bigger toy like an Optimus Prime, I don't know if Optimus Prime was like nineteen ninety nine or twenty four ninety nine when it came out, but that was pretty expensive for one. Yeah, that's like fifty bucks. Time. One toy. That's yeah. that's pricey. I remember it being a thing with mom and dad too. It was like these things are expensive. You know, it wasn't like you could just chip away by getting a two ninety nine action figure, a Star Wars figure, a GI Joe figure. At least you could, for the weekend, get one or two toy, even even a single action figure, and that would hold you over until the next thing you got, you know? So they were pretty pricey. And what had happened was the first thing I got was a mini bot. And that was the brawn figure, a little Jeep, a little, what was he like a little land cruiser or Range Rover. And he was just like one of the little guys, one of the little Autobot cars. And that was my initial and I think I had him I want to say I had him and nothing else for weeks I mean maybe even a month or two that that's all I had and that's all I would play with and then I would kind of like you you know he would like play with my I would probably use those little pullback racers as other you know transformers and kind of use my imagination in the meantime until I obtain more right do you want to know how important is it to go back and talk about the whole genesis no you got to talk about that because okay. I, what I have here in my notes you know I just took some cursory notes yeah about dates yeah is, is that I and I didn't know this I mean this is how ignorant I am about this is that you know you, you mentioned it's Takara right T-A-K-A-R-A yep, yep. Japanese company, and as far as I understand it, Hasbro sent representatives to Tokyo Toy Show in maybe 1983, Three, yep. and they saw these toys and they licensed them. I didn't realize that they're not native Hasbro toys. No. This is probably, and I don't mean this as an insult to Western toys at all, but this is probably the genesis of why Transformers, especially Gen 1 Transformers, and I even know this just as a toy person, are considered so well made because they were metal, right? And which was... They were die-cast metal. Which At is, least a lot of the, you know, there would be 80% diecast cast right, right. with some plastic. Plastic, plastic sure. components, sure. And I feel like it's just because Japanese, you know, toy manufacturers are just making better toys. So it just seemed like that was, I didn't realize that that's kind of, like you said, the genesis of it, but also that tether, that kind of east-west tether. So I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, so what happened, well, the first thing about it is Hasbro was on the hunt for something that they could... I don't know if they already had an inkling that it was going to be a robot-related thing if they started to get that that you know you you would think about educated toy people even back then would know what was going on in a country like Japan where the toy market was booming and children's entertainment properties and animation was booming they might already had that on their periphery like we're going to go hunt down some robot related stuff so what had happened was Takara believe it or not they already were marketing this stuff in like hobby and specialty shops in the United States and North America but they weren't having any success with it they had three lines Takara Takara Tomy had three I think they later on went on to buy Tomy back then they might have just been Takara Tomy is actually a very high they're known to do that's their division that does preschool toys and very high quality stuff and that's the first thing you need to know about Takara then and now. Very high, very Japan-esque and Japanese-esque in the fact of like very high quality toys. No nonsense. This was like, these are beautiful toys. And they had three lines 
that they were manufacturing in Japan. And they were Diaclone, Microman, also known as Microchange, and Mecha toy lines. And that was the three things that Hasbro had found at the Tokyo Toy Fair in 1983. And then at some point along the line had decided that we're going to market this as one thing, not three different things. It's too confusing. But Takara already had a foothold in the United States. I say a foothold. They, they, were, t- they were trying to sell the Diaclone line. I think it was called Diacron. And ha- they were having no success with it at all. There was no story. They had no, you know, they had no really marketing. They were just trying to sell them on the, on the appearance of, and the coolness of the toy and weren't having any success. So when Hasbro came along and decided to snatch up these three, these three things and market them in the United States, they wanted to have some kind of cohesive story behind it. And in Japan, these toys were actually, it was actually a storyline where there was, it was set on Earth and Earth was being invaded by this alien race and the humans were sort of developing this defense by creating these cars and planes and vehicles that transformed not into robots it transformed into armor like mech mech suits and they and little and they came with little guys that would pilot them so but in you know when Hasbro decided to market this in the United States they decided to make these into robot a, a race of robots that were good guys divided into good guys and bad guys that were fighting each other. And that's why if you go back and look at some of these early, the early G1 Transformers like Ironhide and Ratchet and those guys, they basically look like giant, they, they don't even have heads really. They, they have the, the, the alt modes, the, the cars and trucks and whatever they were. And then when they transform into robots, they looked really janky. They, because they were mech suits. Right, right. They weren't robots, some of them. So that was an int- always an interesting thing when you when you learn that in retrospect. Like, why do these guys look so weird? That can you imagine the cartoons look like that? Yeah, you know? it was, it was amazing. Awesome. So, so let me ask you a question. Yeah, sure. So in the in the Takara was on board with these changes. These must were these fundamental changes to the toys as well as the lore worldwide, or were they? Did they separate them out now? Now Japan had their own kind of. I think that you know it's a good question. I'm not sure how they handled it in Japan. I, I know at a certain point, Takara got pretty. I think they took exception with the way it was being handled, and that's why in 1987 they started doing their own things with headmasters and stuff like that. They kind of took it back, so to speak. I'm not sure. I'm sure that. I'm pretty sure that the dollar was speaking pretty heavily, so I'm sure Takara was happy from a financial standpoint because it became very successful in North America and other and other places as well. But that's a good point how they handled it in Japan as opposed to, I know, I will say, I don't want to speak out of school, and there might be listeners that could speak better to that, but I do know in Japan certain things were more popular there as opposed to here. Like, for instance, there were certain characters that never really made never really were successful here or marketed here that were marketed there so there was always a sort of a there was always sort of like ultra magnus right who takes a bit we we never really knew who ultra magnus was until transformers the movie but he was he was a he was a major character in japan in fact he's the star of the famicom 8-bit Transformers game that never was even ported over to the United States it was never even ported over to the NES. So, and you expect that to be Optimus Prime or something? You expect like that. that to be Optimus Prime, but there it was Ultra Magnus. So that was always a strange thing. So there were always differences, it seemed. But 
so but in North America it just took off and what had happened was they they kind of paired up Hasbro paired up with Sunbow which is an animation studio that was owned by a giant which then was owned by a giant advertising agency and Marvel Entertainment to sort of give sort of hire people to sort of give this flesh it out with a storyline and give these characters personalities and roles and ranks and they really fleshed out the whole thing to become a, a good versus evil story set on earth and it took off from there it just took off you know it was huge i think the initial they had a they had an initial run of comics which i I don't know if it was initially supposed to be six or eight issues that ended up being 80 issues of the comic. An initial three episode order for a cartoon series that had started with Sumbo just doing animation for the toy commercials. And that initial short three episode run turned into seasons worth of cartoon just due to the sheer success when it was introduced in the United States. So that was, it was really a striking thing. And it was the first. The other thing is, the other huge thing about Transformers that I remember that I really recall was, it was the first time that I remember personally, toys, there were knockoff versions of these toys everywhere. You know, there were never, in retrospect, there were those weird, did you ever see those weird Star Wars, Mexican knockoffs of like the Star Wars figures? They were like repaints and like somehow they got like Kenner sculpts, but they like were really janky and really like they, they were colored weird. So there were knockoff stuff. And they had the G.I. Joe knockoffs too. The, they had the G.I. Yeah. Joe knockoffs. And of course, there were dollar store things, cheap versions of action figures and stuff. But this was the first time that they it seemed like the bootleggers and the knockoff companies were actually trying to make imitation Transformers and sell them off as the real thing. We called them flea market transformers because all the flea markets on Long Island carried these things. Right. You know? And you never bought one? Never. No, I got. Sometimes I got them as gifts. Sometimes I. Sometimes I would buy them. Sometimes you know you would ask for something, and grandma and grandpa would get it from the flea market, not realizing realizing it's imitation stuff. So that was always a big bone of contention for collecting transformers. I had some. I had some definite imitation transformers. We could get more into that. Sure. You know, I still have some actually. Well, we have a question here I'm curious about. I don't know that this is necessarily going to play into the bootlegs as you're talking about them. Okay. But Brandon DeGroot, and by the way, you can submit your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, memories, or whatever if you support us at the $2 level or higher on patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand. I let you know you know, a couple weeks before we record a wave of episodes and then tell you what the topics are and you can let us know. And we got you know 75 submissions for this, this particular run, which is awesome. And that Brandon awesome. DeGroote asks what I think, Dagan, is a parallel question to this. He says, I love okay. the show and watch religiously. He's talking about Transformers, obviously. And he said, however, my parents spent most of the toy budget on G.I. Joe, so I was stuck with GoBots. Do either of you remember this cheap knockoff show and toy line? <laughs> so I don't think this is specifically what you're talking about, because you're talking about knockoffs of Transformers that were trying to be passed off as Transformers. Sure. But it, it speaks a little bit to what you were talking about, about the, the, this robot renaissance, as it were. Absolutely. So, yeah. So I wanted, I wanted to give a shout out to, to Brandon for that that particular comment. Hey, Brandon. Yeah, that's... GoBots was definitely another thing. And I had a friend, Matt, who was actually really into GoBots over Transformers. And I think it's still a thing, like Transformers fans versus GoBots fans. It's almost like a Star, Star Wars, Star Trek thing. So GoBots was sort of Tonka, Tonka Toys' answer to Hasbro's delivering the Transformers. And this was almost like... Ton Tonka was, I think, a company in that during that time period, famous for their toy trucks that was struggling to stay relevant. 
in the marketplace. So what they did was they leveraged a Japanese line of toys called, I believe it was called Machine Robo. And it was a very similar thing where it was already an existing Japanese property that Tonka leveraged and brought to North America to North America audiences and named it GoBots. A very similar thing. They they had it was a good a race of good ro- uh, robots versus bad robots. In that case, it was the Guardians versus the Renegades. I think the Guardians were the good guys and the Renegades were the bad guys. Psykill was the leader of the Renegades. He was like a motorcycle, and Leader One was a I think it was an F fourteen Tomcat. But the weird thing about GoBots was, and I'm not a super expert on the GoBots, but their scale were the same scale as the Transformer Minibots, about, approximately. So the toys were pretty small. And I think what had happened was, knowing how expensive Transformers were, and Transformers had to be expensive, like you were saying already. They were, a lot of these toys were die cast. A lot of them were, like, highly engineered. I mean, these things were, they transformed, you know, from cars or devices or whatever they were, guns jets and they looked like they were they were beautiful you know they were really streamlined and then they would transform into a robot a lot of the times the robots were pretty primitive looking but they were impressive some some of them were actually not primitive looking depending on the thing because again they were from three different toy lines of varying quality but with the GoBots, what tonka did that was very clever was the cost for entry was really low if you were a grandparent and your kid you knew your, your grandson or granddaughter wanted transforming robot toys you could probably get three or four GoBots for the price of one decent Transformer toy. So I think that's where they found... I'm, I'm pretty sure that's where Tonka found their success. I always had a great exception with Tonka and the GoBots. Apparently, they were very, very aggressive with the property. And they went after a lot of people. They went after a lot of properties in the 80s that they felt like were copying them or certain things that looked too similar there was a, a lot of, this is a sort of a deep cut, but it's one of my favorite animated shows from the 80s. There was a very short-lived anime, very high-quality animated series. Not sure when it came out, maybe 85, called The Mighty Orbots. And it was a standalone animated property about this group of robots that, this group of fighting robots that were defending the galaxy. Very simple storyline. They had a, you know, they were, they had a friend who was a human being named Rob and they fought this uh, bad organization called Umbra in outer space. And they formed, they basically formed into a combiner robot called, called the mighty Orbot if they needed to be, you know, if they needed to take it to the next level. And Tonka went after them and said, this is too similar to some of the stuff we have going on with GoBots and shut them down after like nine episodes of the show. Wow! And they apparently they did this a lot. Apparently there's a bunch of stuff we never even heard of because of that. So by the time I got old enough to realize that, like in high school, I was like, oh, that's that shit. But also they were very primitive. They were, the quality wasn't the same. They were all plastic as far as I know. The funny thing about GoBots that I didn't like was, they 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 had very they were smaller toys so like the transformer mini bots they had very simple transformations they weren't complex so a lot of the times it would be like you would transform this thing in maybe like three simple moves and i always felt like you could still see the face 
like you would just flip the like the train or the motorcycle or whatever it was the plane over and you would still see the face the face was just facing upside down right, instead right. of being hidden and i always thought that was and e- they even did that in the cartoon series oh interesting so like if the motorcycle did a jump and was seen from underneath you would see it's his face like talking as he was a motorcycle it was so weird <laughs> you know it's like it always seemed it always, i know gobot fans will get mad but it always seemed like the imitation answer to the you know, kind of the weak answer to the Transformers. Like, who would want to watch this when we could watch Transformers? Yeah, it sounds you know? it sounds like that. You know, it sounds like that. So, so back. I didn't mean to interrupt you with that with that diatribe. It just seemed like it fit. No, that's a great. That's you got to talk. You got to talk about a little bit about the GoBots. It was a big thing. So, I'm curious. I'm curious. Kind of. I think. I think the best way to frame this would be. Star Wars scene when you were into Star Wars toys. That toy. That toy line ran from '77 to '85. I'm not sure that. And they were probably even on the shelf after that, but I'm not sure how deep after Jedi you, which came out in '83, that you were collecting star or collecting Star Wars figures. GI Joe came out in '82, the straight arm ones, and then '83 with the the ones we know uh, today. So there's probably very little overlap for you between Star Wars and GI Joe. But what I'm curious about is that was how did you manage? How, where did Transformers fall on the line of toy collecting? Because Mask is concurrent to Transformers, I think. Yeah, yeah. And GI Joe is is concurrent yeah. to Transformers. GI Joe began before Transformers and ended after Transformers. So, how did you? What was the what was the delineation there between them? And how did you manage? It's a good your, question. Your toy collection. Yeah, I think Mask was eighty five. So yeah, there were some overlaps. So I think there was a. I was getting. If I think back, I started collecting. I have these photos. Of me, did I show you these that I just found recently? And Carla had them, I think. It was me opening my X-wing fighter. Wow, and that's the cool. Death Star. Wow, that's cool, man. And it was Chris, and they're labeled on the back. It was Christmas of '79, so I was six. I had just turned seven. seven. I just turned seven. Yeah. So that was right. You Is just that- turned five. Right. Just, wait, seventy-three. Was, oh, seventy-three. Right. 73, so four, so five, six, seven, eight, nine, six. I was six. Right. I just turned six a few weeks before Christmas. So, uh, and I was opening the X-Wing and the Death Star. And that's where it started for me with the toys. So that was 79. And then G.I. Joe, I was very early in G.I. Joe because I very specifically, I know I've talked about this already, but Grandma and Grandpa bought me the Mobat Tank and Rock and Roll, who was the straight-armed Rock and Roll, and maybe the straight-armed Snake Eyes that same birthday. Maybe, Maybe. And the Mobile Missile System. They bought me those in 82 and I was still collect. I remember I was still collecting Star Wars. There was definitely, there was definitely an overlap between GI Joe and Star Wars. So Star Wars went through, I went through the very end because the last line of Jedi toys, I'm not a super expert in this, but the last line of Jedi toys included the figures such as I believe Endor, Luke, Han and Luke, Stormtrooper, some of the second or third wave of Ewoks, those type of things. And I was collecting that stuff to the end. I remember how hard that was stuff. That last iteration of the Jedi figures were really hard to get, even in that time. It was like pretty tough. I don't know if the runs were more limited. They are. They do tend to be the more expensive figures now for collecting. I'd like to learn a little more about that. I try to dabble in listening to experts, especially on YouTube. You know how much I love YouTube. There was definitely some overlap between probably years worth of overlap between or approximately between G.I. Joe and Star Wars. And then when Transformers came in, I was into it right away, but it was slow. I might've only had my first one was Brawn, And then my first real size, real quote unquote size 
Autobot car was Prowl, the police car. So it was Braun and Prowl. And then I think probably Christmas opened it up and I got Soundwave. I got Optimus Prime. I got my first Seeker jet, maybe Skywarp. I never had Starscream. I still want to get Starscream in the package. But how much is that going for on eBay? That's a that's a that's a pricey one. That's a but it doesn't have to be I, I would just like to have Starscream and his box. I don't even care if it was the same box. I just would love to have both of those things. And then a few other ones that I got early on, so I had a pretty decent collection. And that was probably my answer to that that December, whatever that was, the December of eighty four, I guess. Could have been even into eighty five. And I remember when Transformers I started collecting Transformers, I was in fourth grade. And then Transformers was fourth and fifth grade. And then what had happened was in be- the summer in between, not to get ahead, but the summer in between fifth and sixth grade. Now, back then, we talked about this a little bit already. The pressure was on to stop collecting toys. Like, it wasn't like, I feel like it wasn't like it was today. You know, you're, it was, there was a lot of social pressure to grow up. It was sports, girls were becoming a thing in sixth grade. And I started to feel inherently like that was a thing. And then what had happened was mask toys, mask came along. And then I, I had talked about this a little bit, referred to this already. I was like, no, I have to do this for another year. I love these things. And what had happened, I effectively dropped Transformers to collect mask. And then that was, once I saw that through to the end, that was the end of toys for me. And I had purposely foregone things like Masters of the Universe because I wanted to concentrate you know you like you said you there was only those opportunities to get toys growing up you know you had Christmas you had birthdays you had the report cards maybe if you did well and that, that we was Easter, really we had it. Easter which was interesting we had we had Easter we which is actually I got Optimus Prime for Easter I believe I got I might have got Optimus Prime for Easter might have not been for Christmas I remember later on like my second Easter of collecting Transformers I got a couple of Insecticons which were like the Decepticon insect, you know, the Decepticon's answer to the the Dinobots. All in all, Transformers only lasted like two years for me. It seems like longer, but yeah, I think there was only a really delineated two Christmases or two seasons of collecting that before I went over to Mask. And then I was so, I don't know why I was so enraptured with Mask. I just thought it was so cool. I think a lot of it was the fact that I missed action figures. And mask was interesting because the action figure, you remember what they looked like. They were a bit smaller. And they had their mask or helmet accessory. And then there was a transforming component to mask as well because the vehicle transformed from one thing into another thing, usually from a vehicle into another vehicle. But it sort of took all the things that I loved and made it, you know, action figures, transforming cars, transforming vehicles. And I think that was what was so appealing about mask. And I don't even know if mask tried to leverage all those things maybe they did i just think that they got lucky and because i think a lot of kids kind of responded to it the same way it was very popular and very cool and different enough with the size with the scale of the action figures and everything so and the and the you know the helmet and mask components so yeah that's how that was sort of my trajectory of toys it was really only ever those four things i had a brief i mentioned it a little bit i had a brief sort of flirtation with playmobil I got into Playmobil. I don't know if anybody remember this. It's a really deep cut, but at one point in the early-ish '80s, I don't think it was even the mid '80s, there was Playmobil pack-ins in in McDonald's Happy Meals. 
And I was like, what is that? That's a pretty cool looking toy. And they were like knights and cowboys and stuff. And I was like, I want to collect these. And I remember getting a few Playmobil sets, like pirate sets. I have, a, I had like a, a medieval set with the castle and the knight and the kings. And I think I had like a the pirate, the king. Maybe I had an outer space one. Very brief flirtation with Playmobil. But those are the only things I ever collected. I never did um, Masters of the Universe. I never went in for... I thought they were really cool, but I never went in for Battlestar Galactica or Buck Rogers. What are the other things I didn't bother Did you with? not collect Masters of the Universe too because it's terrible? I... Yeah, there was something... <laughs> there was something really goofy about it for me. The squishy heads. The ridiculous, you know, Conan the Barbarian physiques to everybody. I thought it was a little too, a little too goofy. I think the initial run of He-Man was a little less goofy, and ca- admittedly, Castle Grayskull is pretty fucking cool. And again, I already, I, I had this all this at my fingertips because my friend Tommy had all this stuff. There was nothing he didn't have. R- literally, he had everything of every single toy line. So it was like I could, I could see it and play with it and check it out. I didn't have to collect it. We got to get in touch with him. He, he had really everything, dude. We got to get in touch with him because, like I said during the GI Joe episode, I'll I'll pay good money for those unopened. GI I hope Joes he still he has. has. Yeah, I mean, imagine? I would, I would, I would, I would fork over thousands and thousands of dollars. For that that was the other thing. In case you guys missed that show, what Colin's referring to is his parents. My friend Tommy's parents had the foresight to buy two of everything, and they had the funds to do it as well, which is wonderful. They had the foresight to buy two of each toy, one to open and one to keep on the card, or one to keep on the package, and they did this with Transformers and vehicles and everything. So that was that, that was really fashion forward thinking for back then. I didn't know anybody else that did that. Right, yeah, no, it's that's awesome. At all, you know. So what's the transformer on your desk there? So this is Braun. This it, is the modern version. This isn't a masterpiece version, but this is a, a Hasbro version. They did they do a lot of lines and I get confused, but this is a sort of a throwback G1 faithful version of the Braun figure. I wish I He's up in my closet, but the original G1 Braun is smaller and much more primitive than this. This is like sort of Hasbro saying, like, we wish we could have made it look like this from the beginning. And I, when I saw him in the store, this line, they're sort of cartoon accurate renditions of the characters. Because if the characters look like the toys, it would have been a pretty scary cartoon. You know, we, we got it. You know, it was like... You know, it's like the the toy was always like a very stylized version of what you would see in the cartoon. Thank God they made them a little more appealing and a little more humanoid instead of like, you know, these kind of stilted and awkwardly stanced things that were like had hook arms and stuff like that. Right. right. It was barely a robot when it transformed, especially early on with the early wave of G1 toys. So that, yeah, that's Braun. That was my very first, my very first Autobot. Right on. Yeah. Now. I want to let's ask. I want to ask some supplemental questions. Sure. Let's talk about the cartoon. How how important we mentioned it earlier, but how how important was this cartoon to your fandom? Yeah. Was it something that was as relevant to you as the GI Joe cartoons were to your fandom of GI Joe? And obviously, the Star Wars movies are important to Star Wars collecting. Was Transformers more of an isolated thing where the toys were just cool enough to do it without context, or where especially because you were in it for such a brief amount of time? I mean, two years, according to my notes, is is. Only half of the TV series run. Yeah. So, and the TV series run again, eighty four to eighty seven. Not super impressive considering GI Joe cartoons ran from eighty three, eighty three to ninety two. So yeah. way longer, in two waves, obviously. But great point. Was that important to you? It was. But you know what's interesting about that question, Kyle? I think Transformers was cool enough. I don't know how much it needed the the cartoon. Now, just to refer to the comic book a little bit, I wasn't 
super into the comic book and I'm not super knowledgeable about the comic books. But my experience with the comics briefly was that I referred to him, this guy Michael that I was friends with in sixth grade. I think in either fifth or sixth grade, he was another comic book guy. Now, I have to say about comic books really briefly for myself. I never had someone that exposed me to comic books. My father wasn't into it. I didn't have anybody anybody in my life that was into that. My only exposure to comic books were the stuff, especially early on, was the stuff that I saw literally in the drugstore. That was it. So if there was like a rack you know, a turning rack of like Spider-Man books, amazing Spider-Man books in the drugstore. That's what I knew. Of. That's what I knew of. And what had happened was this guy, Michael had the Marvel transformer comics, which were basically more mature renditions of what we saw in the cartoons. They were a little more, they were, you know, they expressed a little, the cartoons were very, very, if you think of like a GI Joe dynamic, the bad guys and the good guys are firing at each other. Nobody ever gets hit. Everybody escapes just in time. It's goofy. It's more lighthearted. It wasn't overly violent. Any kind of violence was seen off screen. In the comic books, you would see characters get shot. You would see characters get damaged. They would get injured. There would be a character taken out of action. You know, this this robot, I mean, it's strange, but this robot's in a coma, whatever. It was a more mature presentation of, you know, it was taking the 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 cartoons to the next level and painting it in a little more of a dire light with a little more drama. It was a little more cinematic. And this sounds exactly parallel to Marvel's very, Hasbro's experience with G.I. Joe. Exactly. Very similar thing. Very similar thing. If you, if you know the G.I. Joe comic books, you know what I'm talking about. And in fact, there was one comic, I don't know what issue it is, where Bumblebee, the character Bumblebee, is getting fired upon by the Decepticon Seekers like uh, Starscream. Thundercracker and Skywarp are firing on him from the sky and they're peppering him with like shot like missiles and lasers and you see him like his body twisting and he's getting damaged and you see him he's all scorched and his face is like in agony it was like even seeing that comic book as a fifth or sixth grader because that it wasn't portrayed that way in the show it was kind of neat it was kind of cool so but for the cartoon series well what had happened to go back when Hasbro brought these things over and marketed them marketed these characters they had these do you remember these tech spec cards that were part of the packaging similar to gi joe's file cards what had happened was you had the robot in the package and then you had a little card that came either inside or or it was part of the package and it was a tech spec card and it had the character's name a brief description of that character if he was an autobot or decepticon and then literally a graph a line graph yeah. with all his assets, strength, right. endurance, and agility, rank, courage, and how he would rate 1 to 10 in each one of those categories. I do remember this. The characters were really already fleshed out by what they were, what Hasbro was already doing with the packaging. You know, it was really imbuing a lot of life into the characters along with the toy. And also, the, I, I can't say enough about the illustrations on the packaging. They were really cool. You know, it was really, really, they were really beautifully rendered and really, really dynamically posed. And it made the characters look really, really cool. So they already had that. And I think, I think even that stuff was even stronger than the stuff that was presented in the cartoon. The cartoon was animated and the cartoon had motion and the cartoon was cut and the cartoon had dialogue. But I think that, I think, 
it would have been pretty, I think it would have been okay without the cartoon. And it's the first time where I think the toy transcended, for G.I. Joe a little bit. You Let's go back to Star Wars, where it was all about, the toy was sort of there to support the awesomeness of the media of the movies that we were watching. With G.I. Joe, I think it started to take a turn where the toys were actually cooler than what we were seeing on television or the media that was supposed to be propping it up. And I think with Transformers, even more so. I think it was really became more, it started to turn even more in a direction where the toy was really the thing that we had our hooks in and the other stuff was like on the periphery. It was all about those toys. And I think that had to do, again, with a lot of the way they marketed it and brand them. It was it was pretty brilliant. But the cartoon helped us understand the characters' relationships. It helped flesh out their personalities. Certainly a character like Starscream, you needed to see how he was portrayed with that voice and that sort of conniving attitude and sort of that cowardice underneath the, you're the tough guy exterior and wanting to overthrow his, you know, always wanting to stage a coup and wanting to overthrow Megatron that you got a lot about you got a lot through that and also what you could say I think about the star the Transformers cartoon especially in relation to G.I. Joe and other stuff at the time the quality of the voice acting was pretty stellar you know everywhere from Peter Collin to Frank Welker to Scatman Crothers was the voice of Jazz you had Casey Kasem who was the voice of Cliff Jumper it was a pretty stellar voice cast even if the voice reading wasn't always great the quality and the texture of the voices was very really resonated um because the animation in that series was pretty poor it was pretty bad people even talk about think about like those all those awesome eye candy openings of the animated series back then from everything from masks to thundercats to things like that didn't last long unfortunately like mighty orbots and galaxy rangers and all these amazing cartoons. Transformers had a pretty weak intro. You know, it wasn't, it was, the animation was, you know, the caliber of the show. You know, even Ninja Turtles, the opening, the animated uh, opening a little later on of Ninja Turtles was so awesome. This didn't have that. You know, Transformers didn't have that. It was, uh, it was pretty weak and pretty watered down. But it helped support, I think we were just so excited about it. I think whatever we got, we would have been excited about. The comics were, were much cooler. I wish I had a little more exposure to them as a kid. You know, since then I've bought collections with some of those 80 and I could go back and see how they were presented and some of the storylines are quite interesting, you know. And I think there were also two different iterations of the core story of you know, here's the Autobots and Decepticons. They have this ongoing battle on their home planet of Cybertron that eventually this this war that they're waging against each other is just costing them so many resources that they have to leave the planet. The Autobots leave in their ship called the Ark and leave and actually end up crash landing on Earth and the Decepticons follow them. And what had happened is they crash, I guess, in ancient Earth and it like whatever it is, four thousand or four million years past or whatever. And the computer, they crash. What happens is the Autobot ship, the Ark, crashes into a volcano. When that volcano later on, many years later, goes live, it reinvigorates the ship's computer, which sends out probes to investigate the planet where they crashed. Figures, okay, if this is a dangerous place, I want to protect these guys. In 
powers up imbues these robots with the ability to transform and blend in by transforming into things where they could hide in plain sight hence cars devices and stuff like that and that was the story and i think later there, there was, was a, one that turned into a radio right yeah yeah i remember that a good guy and a bad guy in fact sound waves right there on the shelf the g1 sound waves right there on my shelf he transformed into a cassette player and his various cassettes ejected to do different things there was two like robotic vulture type or hawk type characters and there was two humanoid robot characters called rumble and frenzy and then there was like a robotic panther named ravaged who, who was ejected from him and then the autobot answer to him was blaster and he had cassettes that could eject and fight and spy and all that kind of stuff so yeah he wouldn't blend in soundwave wouldn't blend in very well today being yeah. a cassette player right yeah he's like a, like a boom box <laughs> he's a boom box basically which is hilarious so i'd be loath not to ask you about the movie that yeah. came out in 1986 called Transformers the movie. Very important. And this is an important movie, specifically as a G.I. Joe fan, it's important to me too because it influenced what happens in the G.I. Joe movie the next year with Duke's death that they they undid because of the the situation surrounding Optimus Prime. And I'm curious if you saw the movie in the theater or when you first saw it, and do you remember the outrage over that being as pronounced as it is in hindsight. I mean, people make it sound like it was like apocalyptic with children. I have a very funny story about this okay. movie. Now, I have to preface this by saying that I already told you a little bit about this, and I was really debating whether to bring this up or not, but I'm just going to say it. I have had and have an idea for an animated series that I want to do, which are basically like auto, semi-autobiographical, but mostly autobiographical accounts of my young nerd stories. And that story that I told you about faking the Transformer to Tommy was one of those stories. And this is another one of those true stories that happened to me. So remember what I said. In some time in 1985, I stopped collecting Transformers. Certainly by 86, I was finished and I was already on to Mask. And there was no overlap. I, had, I stopped because I wanted to concentrate all my resources on Mask. First of all, they were expensive. And second of all, I think I was just, I think I was just ready to just do one. I think I was on my way out with toys and I knew it and it wasn't worth collecting Transformers anymore, even though I still really dug it. It was pretty sad, dude. I didn't want, I think I would have still just never stopped collecting toys if it wasn't for all those social pressures. That's just the way the 80s was, though. I think a lot of people my age, I'm 44 now, I think a lot of people my age, that'll resonate. You know, there was a really a lot of like, you're still playing with toys? Like, that's that's not happening. You know what I mean? You would, you would be outed and it would be nonstop bullying. It would have been insane. At least that was my experience. You knew people that were getting bullied for collecting toys and whatnot? I don't think anyone would dare admit they were collecting toys. If you were collecting toys in seventh grade, there was nobody still playing with toys in seventh grade. That was out. It, it's so sad. And I really hope it's not like, I mean, toys is... Not what it used to be, you know. I think between digital and devices and Lego, I think it's those two things especially. You could go down the toy aisle. It's not the same anymore as it used to be. We could do a whole show on that. But remember, by the time the Transformers movies came out in 86, what month was that? It came out in the summer of 86, right? I don't have the exact date. I don't think I just have 1986 it's right somewhere now for in my me. notes. It's not important, but what had happened was I, I, I was already out. I wasn't seen in the movie theater. I was done playing with Transformers. So one day I'm sitting on my front porch with mom and her friend Lorraine comes over. And she had a little boy. 
I'm not sure if her son was Allie's age, maybe born the late, maybe a year older. He was born like the late seventies. He was probably like six and they had gone to see Transformers, the movie. They came home. I remember pulling into the driveway and, you know, mom's waving hi and they come over and I'm sitting on the porch with mom and they're like, oh, what's going on? How's your weekend going? Blah, blah. Oh, we just got back from Transformers, the movie. Now I'm like, what? Because I knew about it, but I wasn't going to see it. Right. So now I'm like, oh, I got to listen to this, you know. And she's like, can you I remember her like commiserating with mom. Can you believe it? Do you know what they did? Every character like died, blah, blah. Now I'm trying to act nonchalant like I don't care like I'm you know I'm you know I'm over this like whatever you know whatever but inside I'm like what what is she saying like what's happening so she's like yeah Opti- I remember her saying over and over again like yeah Optimus Prime dies and you know she's talking about, I don't know how much mom understands of what she's saying but I'm certainly like inside I'm like what's going on like and she's like not she's like everybody's killed in this movie it's the weirdest thing like Brian was so upset her meaning her son her little boy and now I'm like, I'm like, what? Like, I, I can't believe what I'm hearing, right? And I'm trying to act like trying to hold it together and acting like, you you know, like, you know, all right, whatever, you know. And finally, I'm like, all right, well, I'll see you later. You know, like, whatever. I was in, insinuating, like, I got a date or whatever. <laughs> or whatever. Right. <laughs> cool guy thing. And I go inside and I'm like, literally going to pieces. Like, what? I feel like so... I feel so like torn apart inside like what I'm hearing and I ended up going to see it. I ended up going to see the movie with my friend John. We ended up going to see it and yeah, it was like unbelievable. First of all, it was such a dramatic thing because the movie was rated PG. So they were able to do a little more, you know, like a PG movie at that time. You know, I had already seen Things like Watership Down and Plague Dogs and Secret of Nim. I've seen, I saw adult animation up to this point. So it wasn't like I never saw anything that was more adult or even things like Dragon's Lair and Space Ace and stuff like that. Cliffhanger, which was Castle of Cal- the video game version of Lupin, Castle of Cogliostro. I saw, already saw a lot of these things. Robotech. So, but when I went in, it was such a dramatic difference between the film and the show because you had the cinematic presentation you had all these colors that they were painting the cells on you know they had all these colors at their disposal effects animation it was cinematic you could tell the whole thing was storyboarded the shots it was much more dynamic the characters were actually you know posed out in these dynamic poses everything wasn't super flat and it was it was like a treat for the eyes and the music you know, but what had happened was early in the film, the Decepticons board the Autobot ship and just start slaughtering everybody. Now you're used to the cartoon series it was like everybody gets out in the nick of time. You know, somebody gets hit, they get back up. It's like they're indestructible. No one ever gets hurt. No one ever gets damaged. You know, no one ever dies. They're they're showing you know Megatron transforms into a gun. Starscream grabs him, starts starts literally slaughtering everybody, and it's like hideous. Like the characters, like they're not just falling. They're like their chest is exploding, and purple smoke is coming out of their mouths and their faces. The glass in their eyes is exploding out. It's like these are the favorite cat. These are your favorite characters that you just grew up with. They're getting handily slaughtered one by one. Literally, this is what's happening now. 
to make it to add extra insult to injury, the my first two Transformers are the first ones to get hit, the first two to get hideously slaughtered on the spaceship. Hound goes out like a bitch, and then Prowl. It was like those are my literally my first two guys, the guys that I was most attached to, and then just one by one, they all except for Jazz, Jazz the Scatman Crothers character, the Porsche, who's like kind of like Optimus's second in command, isn't killed, but. Ironhide, who's like the tough veteran guy, like grabs Megatron's leg and he's like, no. And Megatron's like such heroic nonsense and points at his head point blank range and just blows him away. And you're just like inside. You're just like, what is what is happening? And then what happens is Optimus Prime goes on like a kill crazy rampage in revenge and kills all the Decepticons that you grew up with. (laughs) Like, he literally jumps in the air and kills, like, seven of your ten favorite Decepticons all in a row, all in, like, one shot. Like, boom, 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 boom. And you see them all falling and exploding. And it's like, what is happening right now? So what had happened was, and I couldn't believe when I found out this was really the reason, but it really was. What had happened was the whole mission of this movie was to kill all the robots so they could introduce an entire new line of toys. That was the entire thing. It was the most callous and just heartless and heart-wrenching thing. And it was like they didn't learn anything. So what how, like so I was going to ask you that. So that was the that was the calculus. That was the whole Cuz you point. have to wonder what like but what were they what did they think people were going to how people were going to respond to this? I had no idea. I have no idea. So the whole thing was Optimus Prime eventually Optimus Prime and Megatron have a duel. They're both critically wounded. Me- Optimus Prime dies. Hands hands on hands over his matrix of leadership, which is like a thing. It's like a it's like a device that he holds in his chest that could be, you know, you never know what the hell this is until the movie. But he hands it off to Ultra Magnus. Is like Ultra Magnus, you know, you're the leader now, and he's like, you know, I'm I'm just a soldier, Prime. I can't do it. And he's like, you know, the dark, you know, the light will shine in your darkest hour, or whatever he says. And it so happens that this young, brash Autobot named Hot Rod is the one who ends up inheriting the matrix of leadership and becomes like the next Optimus Prime and the next leader. And I think they were just, I don't know what, I don't know if the toys weren't selling anymore. I don't know what the line of, re- I don't think that's the case though. I don't know why they just couldn't keep the new guys and the old guys. Right. Like what? Retire them. They go back to. no idea. Cybertron or whatever. The there's Hasbro were. executives on record saying like that was the whole premise. That was the entire point of this film. It's so funny, man, because. You often hear, I don't want to say it's corporate incompetence, because I've been in situations, much smaller situations, yeah. where everyone's on board with something, everyone's like, yeah, this is a good idea. And then and then it, and then it happens, and everyone and, and it's like awful. What were we thinking? And everyone's like, dude, like, what the hell? It's and so it's like, strange. dude, we all signed off on it. It's you know? so strange. And it's, so it must have been one of those situations. It makes me wonder as a G.I. Joe fan, because obviously the, the famous lore here with the, the connection between these two movies, G.I. Joe the movie and the Transformers movie, is that Duke is supposed to die in yeah. G.I. Joe's movie, which comes out the next year. And Duke is the leader of the G.I. Joe's. He's, he's, I mean, Hawk is technically the leader of the Jedi. We're not going to get too deep. No, no. That's okay. But, but speak on it, my friend. But Duke is like the G.I. Joe everyone knows and loves or whatever. And and like the leader, as we know him, you know, blonde hair, blue eyed, all American, you know, hero. And in his fight with Serpentor slash Globulus slash Nemesis Enforcer or whatever, he, he, and I love Nemesis Enforcer. Like, could they come up with a better name than that? 
but they they it's like, what can you have? come up with a better name <laughs> what does that mean like you have these really tight names serpentor okay globulus all right he's like a lobster i guess and then nemesis enforcer so good okay name my child nemesis Let's enforcer. go with it but uh nemesis enforcer moriarty <laughs> <laughs> enforcer is the middle name but uh yeah, okay, yeah exactly. nice, this nice. is just nemesis i like it i like it but uh that for people that don't know or didn't listen to our G.I. Joe episode, that materially changed the G.I. Joe movie where they were like, we can't kill Duke. Like, the, like after after everything happened, because it's funny, I didn't realize with the Transformers movie that it was that deep. Oh, 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 people always say Optimus Prime is killed in the movie. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, yeah. That seems like a pretty extreme sort of thing. And, but I didn't realize they just killed everybody. And in, in, the, in the most, vi- like, they don't, I mean, it's painted in the most horrific light. You know, it's very, it's graphic. You know, it's actually graphic. And it's, it's, it's super interesting. It's so it's it was such a weird decision. And you know what the really strange thing is? Transformer fans, and now we'll get into this more, we'll talk about it. Like the Takara masterpiece, Transformers, the hunt the Transformer toys that are for the serious fans, the big boy collector stuff that cost hundreds and hundreds of dollars in some cases that are made today by Takara and many knockoff companies that also make masterpiece caliber to- toys. Everything it harkens back to Transformers the movie is everything's based on that. And really the reason for that is because that was the best visual presentation that the characters ever got in mainstream media because that was the highest budget renditions of them aesthetically. But this movie is the gospel for all that. And this movie, despite all this stuff happening is still really beloved by Transformer fans despite all that because of how I think a lot of it is because the high budget presentation especially higher budget compared to the the, the Sun Sunbow did the movie as well but I think it was a Japanese co-pro the film was so it had a lot it had a higher caliber and a higher budget for the visuals but you know if they just despite all this grief that it put upon Transformer fans it's still the voice acting, how cinematic it is, the way the characters do look. They're, they're not alive on screen for very long, but they do look beautiful, you know. And the same thing happened to the bad guys. Megatron dies. They come across this giant... Did you ever see Transformers no. the movie? You have to watch it at some point. They come. There's this giant robot floating out of space called Unicron, and he basically goes... He's tremendous, and he goes along eating planets, basically. And he f- comes across Megatron and all of his lieutenants dead and floating in space and resurrects them in order to do his bidding, pretty much, to make a long story short. And he resurrects Megatron as Galvatron. So even Megatron dies. And his closest lieutenants, like Skywarp and some of the Autobot Seekers and... The names are so the cool. Skywarp, Starscream. Thundercracker. These, these are great names. They were great names. The marketing behind these toys was... Maybe maybe the most brilliant that I could think of, and that especially during that time period, it was really uh, really powerful. They didn't make an Indian transformer named Spirit. <laughs> Spiritron. <laughs> Spiritron. <laughs> Spiritron. <laughs> Spiritron. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Spiritron. <laughs> well done. Now. It, it, I was going to ask you this, and I guess you kind of answered the question by saying that Transformers fans are really still kind of look at this movie fondly. It's a huge Same thing. as G.I. Joe fans look at the G.I. Joe movie fondly. But yeah. we were able to retcon in real time Duke's death to be like, Duke, 
is in a coma, as the famous, you know, and it's clearly he's supposed to say Absolutely. Duke is dead, and Duke got. By the way, Serpentor stabs Duke through his heart. So it's I don't know. I, I don't know. And it's blood. It's like, blood and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, Duke's dead, but okay. You couldn't have possibly just redrew this. <laughs> like this, like you couldn't have just taken a week and maybe just <laughs> maybe just gotten into the writers' scene. room and figure out like in what way could we possibly find our write our way out of this? Not that big of a pickle because it's a fucking child's cartoon. It's so funny. But uh, but nonetheless, I was going to ask you. They didn't. Yeah. So the, the response must have been visceral. It seems like it was visceral based on your anecdotal evidence at the time. Oh my god! Your own, your own scene. They didn't retcon their way out of this. They actually stuck with it. I don't think so. I don't. I, I think this was the thing. I think this. Yeah, they stuck with it, and eventually they did bring Optimus Prime back. But obviously, the movie came and went. He came back later. He was at some point in the story. He was resurrected. Optimus Prime did come back, but no, they went through with it and they made all these new toys, Hot Rod. And all the other new characters that appear in the story, they they made the toys. You know, I, wonder I always how wonder people, how they did. I want, yeah, I was, that's exactly what I was going to ask because I do have a note here that says that it's it's unlike GI Joe and and even in Star Wars where it seems like there were actual series of of toys between. Let's see, eighty. I have it as eighty-four to ninety-two. Okay, that like they were delineating series. It was like a GI Joe, a real American hero, just just ran from nineteen eighty-two to nineteen ninety-four, and there was no like we didn't really know. We know now what the waves were and everything. You can kind of tell by the back of the cards, but there was no differentiation like between Bazooka and Rock and Roll, and then later on like Target and Alley Viper and all these guys. They were all the same, and they were kind of bled through. So if you had if you just mixed them all together, you wouldn't really know. And if you mixed the boxes together, you wouldn't really even know or the cases, the cards. But it seems like Transformers were delineated by literal generate, like not only generation, but by wave within those waves. Yep, absolutely. Which is pretty interesting. One thing I wanted to ask you that I was, I've always been curious about because anytime I've played with Transformers or mess around with them, especially the old metal ones that I've, and, and not only yours, I remember yours and messing around with them, but just people's Transformers. Even when I was at IGM, people would have these beautiful Japanese Transformers, these metal yeah. diecast ones that were new. They, I always felt like I was going to break them, and I wonder if. That was a common problem with Transformers back in the day. Like, it, they seem, it seems unusual to me that you would give a kid five, six, seven years old a twenty-four ninety-nine in 1984 $30 Optimus Prime figure, which today is like the cost of a video game. And you would give them this thing, and, and it's it's got so many moving parts that if you broke one of them, the thing's done. It's not like if you even broke a thumb on a G.I. Joe. Maybe you can hot glue it together. Or you still have, he still has his left hand or his right hand. It sucked. It was unfortunate. That happened to G.I. Joe's, and that was always awful. That's why you didn't try to... Sh- you know, you learned quickly not to try to shove weapons that didn't come with the characters into their hands. Right. But was that a problem? You know what? It's such an interesting question, Kyle. It's a really great question because you would think it would be a problem. I remember Transformers breaking, though, very infrequently. Not- now... I have to preface this by saying I was very persnickety and careful with my stuff as a kid. Very careful with my toys. I wasn't the type to be a Neanderthal or force things. I was always very careful. I think this is is my nature, wanting to keep things nice and stuff like that. But I don't know. I don't remember it being a problem with any of my friends. The only Transformer that I broke when I was still playing with him as a kid was Prowl, one of my first Transformers, the Autobot police car. His canopy section of the car broke off and that was a particularly that was the Datsun 250ZX I think which was the car model that they carried over for a few different Transformers not just Prowl I think Blue Streak and a couple others were also the same Datsun and for some reason it was just an ultra complex one and that canopy was like a really 
light plastic, a very thin plastic, and it ended up snapping off. But that was the only one I think I remember. Losing pieces was a thing because some of them had, you know, detachable fists, detachable rockets. They had a lot of pieces. But mostly, I think you have to really speak to the fact also... I made the mistake of giving my Optimus Prime to my son when he was born, and he broke one of his smokestacks off, his plastic smokestacks. But that was because I gave it to a one-year-old like an idiot. They were made pretty well. Again, they were they were sourced from three different toy lines of varying quality, but a lot of these were high-quality plastic mixed with die-cast. Like, I'm looking at Soundwave right now. He has rubber bands, I, th- I believe, as part of his leg transformation, and they're still intact. The hatch for his cassettes is cracked. A little bit, but he's an old toy, you know. But he's that's still, the one, and that's the one you play with as a kid. That's that one? my OG Soundwave from that's 1985. Cool. I love it. 1984, I guess. I guess I just and why did you ever try to get me in the Transformers? You actively tried to get me in the GI Joe, and I have no idea. I, I must have seen it first, gotten into it, or said something to you in which that sparked something in you to be like, oh, this is something that I was also into. But I don't remember you ever giving a flying fuck about me getting in the Transformers. I don't like, think, it was never a thing that you ever even tried. I think I couldn't give them to you because you were too lit. You would definitely break them if I tried to give. Because, you you know, even when I, by the time I was out of Transformers, you were all of two. You know, my, my run with Transformers, you know, researching this episode and really looking back and really reflecting, I, I remembered it being re- longer than it was. It was really only about two years. That I was playing with them because it came so late for, you know, I, I kind of wish it came when I was in first grade, but it came when I was in between fourth and fifth grade, I believe. So I was already on that on that downslope of toys again at that time. But I think that's probably why I didn't really do Transformers with you, because not only was the toy line, G.I. Joe was still proliferating and still going. I think tra- Transformers was changing. I think the movie marked an end to what we knew starting in 1984 and maybe Takara taking a hand in it and taking it back and then doing things like Beast Wars and Headmasters and I already tuned out. Transformers the movie was my last thing. I think I bought it on VHS. I saw it in the movie theater. I bought it on VHS and because any theatrical animated movie I was into back then just because it was a higher quality thing I thought it was awesome. I wish they could have done that with everything that I was into. You know like you never got a mask movie. Never, we never, there was never a mask movie that I know of. No, that's a great point. That's a really good point. No, there was never a mask movie. Never a Thundercats movie, I want to say. Who cares? So, yeah. So. <laughs> I'm so down on, on Thundercats <laughs> and on, on Masters A lot universe. of people are. Thundercats is really divisive. The, I just, um, I, 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 you know, with the new Thundercats that is in that, that Steven Universe style that a lot of people are making yeah, fun of. Yeah, a lot of people are on that. Like, I, which I don't really blame them. I think, I, I, and I don't mean to be mean about that. What do you think about that? I, I think that style is is not super appealing to me. You know, it seems like a you have a you have a cartoony, consistent style that I think has more in its simplicity and its perceived simplicity has a more of a, an eye for design. Right? right, right. In my opinion, yeah, yeah. Now you're my brother. Maybe I'm biased, <laughs> but I look at this stuff that well, I understand why. You know, I don't. I'm not deep into the modern cartoon scene at all. As for as little as I was into the old cartoon scene, you can imagine I don't know fucking anything about the cartoon. What's today. going on now? Yeah. So when that was like trending on Twitter, and again we're recording this June first, June second. It's actually really late at night, so it's June second now, and we 
you know, I, I was seeing this making the rounds, and I'm like, I know, I remember them making a Thundercats, like an almost anime style Thundercats, like five years ago. They did, which I remember being like, this looks really cool. This look because Thundercats. So I went back and looked at some Thundercats stuff from the '80s, and I'm like, this shit's corny. And I know I, I I've admitted and embraced the camp of GI Joe. I know you can say the same shit about that. I'm not. I, I don't want you to hold your heart and gasp and, and disbelief that I don't. You know, I'm always gonna be <laughs> very blunt and honest with you. You know, I, I I get. I'm not trying to insult you, but right. I looked at that and I'm like. How did you make something even worse than this? And I look at the style and I'm like, I understand why people are mad at it. Because from my layman's perspective of modern, like c- cartoons and modernity, I, I don't know anything. You know, I watch Family Guy and South Park. That's it. No, those aren't really cartoons. Those are like phenomena that are above and beyond Sitcoms. the medium. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I love, I love South Park and I love Family Guy especially. So I'm not, I, I have no problem with the animated, the animated medium. But I looked at that and I'm like, I get why people are mad because this looks just like, just like everything else or a lot of other properties what is this style you know i don't understand what this is yeah it's the, the super buzzy. deformed like wide-eyed like yeah you know i'm like doing the face for you like it, it's just steven universe yeah. is a perfect description yeah and i i just find that i find that a little vapid personally. yeah i, I don't think, know i don't know how you feel about it but i think that you have to watch it with the style because i think that yeah, it's a very if you know animation, it's sort of like a sort of spawned out of RISD. This sort of a really strong RISD aesthetic. You know, I hate to label it that way, but it's true. Not that all these people went to RISD, but that's you know sort of like what is that? What is that RISD? RISD is a art school in Rhode Island, Rhode Island School of Art and Design. And that's like that 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 style proliferated there with a student or something. Yeah, that's a very 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 prestigious, very well thought of. Art school and animation school. There's a couple in the country: Ringling, Savannah, Cal Arts. Uh, Savannah, you mean SCAD? SCAD, which where yes, my, one of my school. best childhood friend went. Oh, is that right? Mike Pope. Oh, that's right. He went. That's right. Yeah. Shouts out to Mike, mm-hmm. Mr. Pope. So yeah, uh, RISD is one of those schools, and they sort of have that house style of people that have come out of that school and went into the animation industry. You know, think of guys like Penn Ward, who created Adventure Time, came out of RISD, I believe. So it's like that sort of, and Adventure Time had the same sort of trajectory. That sort of aesthetic took over. I think pe- when it something hits and resonates, people want to emulate it instead of just trying their own take at it. And I think, I think places like Cartoon Network have to be careful of that. I think that that there's a lot of talent there, and there's a lot of great ideas. And I think you have to watch that everything doesn't start to look the same, you know. And it's people that aren't necessarily professional artists and animators that are noticing that. That's that should tell you something, you know. So I understand people's complaint with something looking like everything else, but I mean the thunder the Thundercat thing. I mean, give it a, you know you got to give it a chance and see how it is. It's a little weird of an argument when Teen Titans is the exact you know there was a super deformed show of that and it was very, with Teen Titans going it was very successful. You know, not that this looks the same. It's a different thing, a different cartoony take on something. Right. But I think Thundercats loyalists just want are afraid that it's going to make it too, you know, Thundercats is pretty campy, but maybe make it too light and not serious thing like they want, you know, like the Lions versus Munra type thing, you know. Right, right, right. So we have some questions here that I think will allow us to kind of further explore this okay. topic as we wrap up. And they're not in any necessarily in any order. Please. Chad Lewis writes in and says, I'm a huge fan and uh, I'm a huge Gen 1 Transformers fan, but have either of you watched Transformers Prime? Both Peter Cullen and Frank Welker return and the show actually has one continuous plot. 
I think it's definitely worth checking out for any Transformers fan. I might even like it more than Gen 1. Do you know anything about this Transformers? I've seen Prime? bits and pieces, but I can't speak of it. But I will say, Peter Cullen and Frank Welker, those guys are like, what kind of elixir are those guys drinking, man? They're still working and still so highly thought of and sought after voice actors. They're both amazing. I can't say enough about both of those guys. That that you might as well rename the Megatron and Optimus Prime. It's amazing. But I'm glad that something that there's still Transformers properties resonating because the Michael Bay movies are certainly not the answer. I can't say enough bad shit about it. We'll get into movies. that because there's a question about that. Ugh. So save your, save your disdain. My disdain. My distaste. Isaac Sinova says, how idiotic was Megatron's first transformation? Why did he shrink? <laughs> he was the why did he let Starscream of all, of all Decepticons shoot him? And why did he still miss all the time? And he does say, we already talked about this, but he says, and for those kids who saw the movie and seasons after that, how did you handle it when the familiar Transformers that you cared about died? That last part was actually really hard on me. Optimus Prime got a whole resurrection arc, but a lot of the other ones didn't come back or make to make way for Hasbro to introduce new toys and characters. So we already talked about that first part, but or that second part, but how idiotic was Megatron's first transformation? Oh, uh, Megatron. Did you hear the rumbling? I think Megatron might be out there. I don't want to say anything. You want to offend could them? Be like, it could be Thunder or it could be Megatron out there. I'm not <laughs> sure. But the Mega, first of all, let me talk about the Megatron The Megatron toy. The transformation. He transformed into a gun, Kyle. He transformed into, I think, a was it a Luger? He transformed into a very specific gun. A, but, a Nazi sidearm he transformed into? No, it wasn't a Luger. Was it a Luger? I'm not sure now. That's like the Nazi officer pistol, isn't it? No, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, maybe it wasn't a Luger. Maybe it wasn't a Luger. Maybe it was something else. You know what? You know bold. what it was. It was modeled after the gun. I'm very. I'm not familiar with the show. It's before my time, but it's modeled after the gun that the main character uses from the show, The Man from Uncle. Looks almost exactly like it. If you see a picture of this guy, this character with the gun, you could see it's like Megatron. But his. So his his gun looked very realistic, which is a concern. Eventually, they had to stop manufacturing it a certain way and put. They manufactured an orange plug a bright orange plug to put in it. And also his alt mode, his tran- his transformation to a robot was the most hideous thing I've ever seen. His stance was like, he. it was just like one of those early Transformers was like, this is, it's kind of a robot, but not, it's transforming into something. It has a head. I see it has a head, but it's, it's, it's off. It's certainly not very menacing. Fair enough. Fair so enough. yeah, that was, uh, and yeah, in the cartoon, what he's talking about is that, Megatron transforms. He's a giant humanoid robot. Then he trans- transforms into a gun small enough for his cohort to hold in his hand. So how did that happen? And I would put that with... Who who wrote in again? Who wrote this question? This was Isaac Sinova. Isaac, I would put that right up there with where the hell did Optimus Prime's trailer go? Now, when Optimus Prime was a semi, an 18-wheeler, when he transformed into his robot mode, his trailer would just go flying back and just disappear somewhere. Like where where the hell where the hell did his trailer go? It was just there two seconds ago. What? It's not part of his transformation. He shed it like the space shuttle going it into space gone. and shedding its rockets. It was gone. It just disappeared into thin air. It was magical. So I would put that right up there with uh, Optimus Prime's trailer. Owen says Transformers. Did either of you check out Beast Wars? Think it ran around ninety six or ninety seven. Should check out an episode just to see early computer animation. It was actually really good and very different from the original run in the eighties. I remember my contemporaries. Being into this Beast Wars wasn't, I I don't remember. I was never, it just never appealed to me. I never really let go of G.I. Joe. And then when I did, I like, and then when I, when I let go of G.I. Joe, I got, I just went to Star Wars. You clung to G.I. Joe like a, oh, I clung to, like a barnacle. I did. I still cling to it. Like a barnacle on shipwrecks, (laughs) Batukas. No, who who else do you hate? Cutter? 
Oh, he's the worst. Because he has the Red Sox app. Well, that's part of it. Right. That's about 90% of it. Yeah, right, of course, of course. <laughs> um, and I, I, by the way, just as a, as a quick aside, after we did the G.I. Joe episode and you left Santa Monica, because we, we recorded the first wave in my house in California, I really started seriously shopping around on eBay for how did it, How did it look? How was the climate? Expensive? Honestly, and I don't know if it's because I like I don't I'm not living hand to mouth like I was at IGN, my early IGNers, especially in college, where like your perspective is different. It's, now. it's a little different now, right? Yeah. I'm like I don't think this is as expensive as I thought. Like uh-huh. I, like I like that was my whole take, especially if you like go in and buy like a massive group of them. Yeah, even yeah. like redundancies, guys with broken O rings and all that kind of shit. Like I'm like this isn't. I mean, it's not cheap, but I was expecting that this was going to cost. For me to get a full eighty-two to ninety-four set of GI Joes, I figured that that was going to cost me, honestly, like ten grand. You know, yeah, and it's not. No, not even close. To no, that. not even close. Like if if you're if you're really now if I try to get all the weapons and the backpacks, maybe it's going to cost a lot. And I'm dead serious about your friend Tommy. Like if you ever, I will I will give them a lot of money for I the sealed GI Joes, and then I will go and open them all. That one can I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that. But uh, I like the fact that he might have the 82, 83, 84, 85, 86, 87. Maybe it stops around there. Eighty eight. G.I. Joe's in package. Can I give you a strategy on this? Yeah, please. Buy the original. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm, I'm like half serious about this. Don't don't hate me out there for saying this, but buy the original G.I. Joe's in, on their blister cards. Open them, but film it because people will watch that on YouTube and just they want to see it. You know what I mean? They want to they want to see it and be horrified by it. You'll get so many hundreds of millions of views. And with that money, you could go out and buy the ones and keep them on the card. You're right, right, right. Is that? Is I that, don't know. Maybe is that's that considered, redundant. I, maybe this is a fucking really stupid question. Yeah. In toy collecting. Yeah. But is it really sacrilegious to buy something? That's, and I'm not talking about buying something from the 1880s or something like that. No, no. But buying like a GI Joe from the late 80s, that's not even really that. In, like people, as far as I understand, because some GI Joe collectors have reached out to me after listening to the show, guys, you know, that are passive about it. There's a guy that was sending us some pictures of his setup and stuff. It was pretty cool. Yeah, that was cool. But one of the guys said that like once you reach 87, 88, GI Joe collectors don't really even care. Anymore. They don't care. That's a, there's a cutoff. Right. Like that, like. And that's kind of sad for me because it was the 87, 88, 89, 90, 91 GI that I actually really love. But those are considered not as coveted. And I wouldn't be doing it. Like, I'm not one of those guys. Like, there are videos, like, shock videos of guys going. I remember when, uh, like, PS4 launched, people would go and buy a PS4. People were waiting in line and then go out into the parking lot and just smash it. Right? Like, shit like that. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of funny. It really started more with the PS3, Xbox 360, Wii era. People were doing that on, like, the early YouTube. But that's like a dickheaded thing to do to like be like, look, I got this thing that you're probably not even going to get. I'm just going to destroy it. It's like, okay, I, yeah, I, and, get your, and get your million well. views on YouTube or whatever. Oh, it doesn't sit well with me at all. But I wouldn't be doing it to be like, fuck you, dickheads, nerds. Yeah. Here's me opening, you know, Cobra Commander from 1983. That's not what I want to do. I want to I want to relive one time opening a G.I. Joe. Sure. I uh, totally understand. You know what I mean? And if it's my money and I own it, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want with it. Oh, I think you totally have the right. You know? Absolutely. But I wouldn't be doing it to like disrespect history. Right. If you go to yojo.com and look at people's collections, it's not terribly uncommon to have literally all of these things on card. I'm not saying that there's 10,000 versions of rock and roll from 1983 on card, but there's probably a thousand. Right. And like, and doing one of them, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I would love to hear from you guys. Maybe I'm wrong because I don't. I would never want to do it in a way that would be disrespectful. Right. No, I don't understand. I want to do it to relive my childhood because I remember the. I remember what it feels to rip that bubble off, remove the back of the bubble, take the guy out. Sometimes there was tape over the gun and stuff, and I want to just do it. Yeah. You know, because I am an adult and I've never grew up, and I want to do it. I hear. I totally hear that resonates. 
I totally hear that. Yeah, I think people would take. I think I don't know if that's just people's people being protective or their inner preservationist. You know, like there's only so much of these. It's our job to make sure we preserve them, and you know. I think this is something uh, you know. Our friend Pat Contry, who who's a retro game collector and and does retro podcasts and and just modern podcasts too, just a, a great creator and a buddy of ours. I like how he seems to, and I don't know if he would agree with me. I don't know if I'm interpreting his stance on this right. Okay, but I know that he's extremely against the pretentiousness of collecting. He is the the scoring nature of collecting games, like how they have that company that you they'll like, you send them their shit and they grade stuff for yeah. you. Yeah. And I've seen him actively make fun of that shit online, Absolutely. even with other journalists and stuff like that. Yeah. And I'd be curious what his stance on that is. Because and this is a guy that has some valuable video games in his collection. Right, exactly. Full NES collection. I don't know. I think he even has stadium events now. He does. And that's a stadium event. See, I think the value, the, the requisite value is important. Stadium event sealed is worth like $40,000. So if you were to do, if you were to open that and destroy its value, you're an idiot. Yeah, that's. I think you have, I think you have the right to do that. If you want to open stadium events, yeah, I think that's insane because there's like only they didn't make many, and I think what there are eight copies known, yeah, or something not like a that. Lot. Not so a that's lot. different. That's like finding a copy of the original Constitution, of which there are a few of them, and ripping it in half. Yeah, that's right. Like because there weren't ten thousand of them handwritten. <sighs> exactly. You know what I mean? So it's different. But if you were to find a copy of Mario One, Mario Duck Hunt, that might that might be a bad example because I'm not even sure that was available on store shelves. But let's assume it was. Or Super Mario All-Stars, or one of these games that sold 5 million copies and you found a sealed version of it. Is it really that bad to open it? Yeah, I agree with you on that. I'd be interested to hear Pat's take on that. Pat, I know you listen to the show, so let me... Get at us, my friend. Simon Dixon has the last last question. And I, I like to make this show... I like to be positive. I think the only show we ever really got, and I talked about it at the time that we were getting negative, was Star Wars EU. Yeah. Because I had a little bit of a rant at the end of that, which people had liked. But I want to keep the show celebratory, right? And funny and light. We're not going to end this one in that way. We haven't seen Han Solo yet. Let's preface it. Yeah, we haven't. We also haven't seen Solo yet. And you'll, you'll hear a fireside chat about that. Yeah. Simon Dixon writes in and says, is there a worse modern day adaptation of a retro franchise than the modern day Transformers movies? Okay. Movies. Just terrible. No. What do you... First of all, I would say, yes, there are. The G.I. Joe movies are also offensive. Oh. But, there are only, but there are only two of them. They're not... And they're not Michael Bay movies. Oh. Okay? So... What do you make of the Transformers movies? Beginning with the 2007 one, I only saw the first two. And I wasn't... I didn't hate the first one, to be honest, when I saw it at the time. I don't have an affinity for Transformers. Right. I just kind of started to hate Michael Bay. Uh, What do you make of the Transformers films, the the modern-day Michael Bay live-action Transformers I don't mean to despair. It's one of those things to me, and I, I, I really hate to come across this way, and I really don't... I'm not a negative guy, and I don't want to sound negative, but it's almost like... For me, it almost feels like my take, right or wrong, on Star Wars. How, how can people like the prequels and the original movies? I don't understand how you could like both, you know? And I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just being honest that that's how I feel sometimes with that. And I think this is the same way, and I've said it before, and this is the plainest way I know how to say it. Michael Bay's Transformer movies, in quotes, is not Transformers. It's something else. And I think it should have been made something else. And I think that now there's a lot of really trans. There, let me preface this by saying there's a lot of really passionate Transformers people out there. They collect the masterpiece toys. They they know the property inside and out. They know the history much better than I do. I've always been a fan, but I don't consider myself as diehard as a lot of these guys. 
So I'm pretty low on the totem pole of having an opinion, and I realize that. But my opinion of the Michael Bay movies is that it's not Transformers. It's a blatant cash cash grab using a name that's familiar to people and nostalgic that trying to hit people's nostalgia buttons and make this into something that it's not just by calling it Transformers. They're not the initially my initial reaction when these started to come out in the 2000s was that first of all the just watching the trailer was enough to me to know I wasn't going to like it. I think it looks I think it looks like shit and I think that it's not Transformers. They're all transforming into GM cars, General Motors cars. That's not Transformers. I know that it's inherently imp- almost impossible to get Porsche and Volkswagen and Lamborghini and Ferrari and you know Datsun, now Nissan, on board. And they're notoriously sticklers. And it's almost impossible even to create the Masterpiece toys because it takes so long for Volkswagen and Porsche and everybody to sign off on shit. But then don't make a Transformers movie because Jazz needs to be a Porsche 911 and Bumblebee needs to be a Volkswagen. He's not a, a yellow Mustang. That's not Transformers. You know what I mean? So, and I, I'm, I, am a, I am very much a purist and I am very much a stickler for this. But what really drives me crazy is I accidentally, not accidentally, I stumbled on on cable either the first or second movie and I watched a little bit of it. And I couldn't believe how blatantly terrible it was. And I had heard about this. But I watched action scenes. I, I literally could not follow what was going on on screen. Why is it okay for Michael Bay to break every rule of filmmaking in the, in the guise of creating a bitchin' action movie? There's no continuity. The, 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 the shots aren't planned out. They're confusing. It's unappealing. It's it's noisy. There's no pacing. Everything is just action, action, action. This guy just break blatantly breaks every rule in the book, which isn't a bad thing to be a maverick. But the movies look like shit. You know what I mean? It's it's these rules are created by brilliant filmmakers like Alfred Hitchcock, Hitchcock, and all those guys for a reason. You know what I mean? You don't just come. And it, the proof's in the pudding. I cannot follow what was going on on screen. It was it was the most insane. And I'm not, you know, I, I grew up with MTV. I know MTV style cutting and music videos and all that kind of stuff. I cut my teeth on that stuff, man. And I'm an animator. I worked on action stuff. It's just like the, these Michael Bay movies, I just can't believe this is still a thing. I, I just wish people would kind of vote with their wallet and not watch these fucking things. I got it. I've said this before, and I and it sounds derogatory and we can both say it about ourselves in certain ways too you can put anything Mega Man in front of me and I'm gonna buy it like anything classic Mega Man yeah and I I, I, I scour eBay and uh, especially Amazon all the time looking for Mega Man toys because there's just not that many of them and I'll buy anything that I can possibly find I don't care how fucking expensive it is your son has that Shadow Man toy for instance for Mega Man 3 yeah I saw that for $100 on Amazon I almost bought it oh really yeah because I'm like okay whatever yeah, they were expensive those things so I'm, I don't mean this in a negative way, but no one has ever gone poor taking advantage of the of the of nerd culture. It it is it is incumbent on all of us to be better about that, and we're just not. We all have these Achilles heels. Yeah. Even the two GI Joe movies that I mentioned earlier that were fucking awful. I went and saw them both opening day. You know, I gave them my money. Yeah. Didn't read any reviews. You want them to be good, right? Exactly. And I so I feel like we see this with. We just see this constantly. We're seeing this with Marvel. And I understand that the Marvel movies, are people consider them good. Fine. Whatever. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. you're seeing this with Star Wars. The Last Jedi wasn't good. We'll see if we'll see if Solo is any good. And I, I you know, I don't want to be that harsh. I, after seeing Force Awakens and Rogue One, I don't have any idea how anyone thinks that Last Jedi can stack up to those movies. But to each his own. Oh, right. You know, but what I'm saying is that all of us have this Achilles heel Absolutely. that, when taken and combined in nerd culture, just makes this this cycle of buy, 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 buy. Yeah, you know, I and have to support. I they have don't. To get it. They don't care. No one seems to care. And we're all part of the problem in our own ways. And Transformers fans have been part of the problem with the Transformers movies. Right? I, I just won't watch those Transformers movies. I just it's 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 too much of a part. I understand trying to put your own creative spin on it, breathe your own life into it, bring something new to the property, add to it, make it evolve. But this is it's just something different. It's just calling it something else. And thank God you got Peter Cullen to do the voice of Optimus Prime, which is the only sticking, you know, which is the only consistent. This is the only appealing thing in the entire film, as far as I'm concerned. It's just not Transformers. Why couldn't you just do a movie about, you know, because it's all about doing your bitching action scenes with your giant metal men or whatever. Just make a story and don't call it Transformers. Just make it something else about fighting robots. What you know what I mean? That transform that turn into different things. It's it's. It's such nonsense. I don't have much much nerd rage. I'm pretty patient and tolerant guy, but for the, that just pushes my buttons for some reason. This Transformer thing, and I think it really started to upset me when I knew really hardcore Transformer fans when these movies first started to come out, and they were excited for them. And I was like, "How can you be excited for these? This is not the thing that you love, you know." And I can't speak for them, you know. They're just—I guess some people are just excited to have it in any form. I'm just not well, that right. guy. Well, that was the way I was with GI Joe when I'm like, there's no way. Like in my mind, I'm like, there's no way that this movie's gonna be good, right? The first, like the first, I'm like, this is absolutely no fucking way this is gonna be any good. Yeah. And I went in, you know, and it wasn't. But I still went and gave them their money, gave them my attention, talked about it, podcasted about it, all that, you know. And I just think that there's a problem in nerd culture that you don't you find in other fandoms, I think, to a degree. And I just because it's not. It's almost team sport affiliated, just like football or hockey. And I understand that. And I'm a Jets fan and I'm an Islanders fan. And these teams are terrible. And I give them lots of money every year for their $300 John Tavares jersey. And, and you know, all like so. And, you know, and then they don't even win a playoff series for 20 years. You know? <laughs> right. So I'm not saying that I'm above reproach. And with nerd stuff, I'm definitely not above reproach. That's yeah, what yeah. I'm trying to say. I just think that like we, we being discerning and not liking something is often a sign of respect to what it should be. Yes. And I think people need to like be a little bit more open and amenable to that. Because I think sometimes people feel like they have to love everything. Yeah. And That's there's the just thing. too there's just too many people in that cover nerd culture, I think, specifically on YouTube and podcasts that just love everything. They have nothing bad to say about anything or, or very little critical voice. And I'm like, how do we know what's good if we don't know also what is bad? I can think of people like that, yeah. Yeah, I can Absolutely. think of people like that too. Absolutely. And, and it's so I you know, I don't want to end the, the, the I don't want to be negative on this podcast, no, but, but I, like I feel you on that. I feel yeah. you on that. Be protective of the things you love. Right. Like the Attack on Titan live action movies. I love Attack on Titan so much. There's very few things I love in the modern era as far as media than those, that cartoon, that animated series. I'm not going to watch the live action movies. You know why? They're not going to be as good. Why even waste my time? I'm not saying that in a in an arrogant way or a dismissive way. I'm, I just know what the anime means to me and i'll stick to that you know it's okay not to digest I'm, i don't play the attack on titan games either you know because when i finally 
operate some 3D maneuvering gear. I want it to be up to my standard, and it's not. <laughs> I can tell you right now, it's not. I, I, I hear those games are good. It's definitely not up to my standard. I have a very set vision of what I want that to be, and they're not. I'm sure they're not there yet. So I'll wait. Right, right. You know, so it's okay to be a little protective and you know to hold things to a high regard. It 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 forces people to do better work as well, you know, and I think that's important. Well, this was a, a good talk. Do you have a lightning round for this? Because I do I, have I, a I lightning round. Do you want me to read it to you? Oh, that's interesting. But I wrote you them. wrote them, so I don't know if it's really going to be that compelling for you. But I don't know if I have any compelling answers for this. Well, you do your best. All right. It's I kept it short. Okay. For this one, so okay. So you just make your best bet. Okay. Okay. Autobot or Decepticon? I'll go with Autobots. That's incorrect. Really? You like no, that's correct. That's correct. No, there's no wrong answer. Okay. Not well, for that. Uh, Not for uh, that that's one. All, that remains to be seen. But okay. <laughs> Not for that one anyway. Optimus Prime or Megatron? Optimus Prime. That's incorrect. Really? You like Megatron? No, that's not. All right, so I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> you're lying. You're just lying. Megatron or Galvatron? I don't even know the difference, so I, I know what Megatron looks like. So yeah, he became Megatron. Megatron became Galvatron. Right, right, right. He was reincarnated as Galvatron. So you're going to go with Megatron? I'll go with Megatron. I know, what, I know who he is. So That is correct. Transformers or GoBots? I'll go with Transformers. I don't know enough about GoBots. You're correct. Dinobots or Insecticons? So those were the... The Autobots and the Decepticons of the of this. Yeah, Dinobots were Autobots. The Insecticons were the Decepticons. Well, I'll go with the Dinobots because I like the good yeah, guys. Yeah, Dinobots right? are awesome. Me, Grimlock. <laughs> you don't know Grimlock? No, we got to let you watch Transformers. Okay. Oh, Grimlock is the best character ever. That's the other thing. Can I just say real quick during sure. our lightning round? That's the other thing that Hasbro slash Takara did so well with Transformers is it proliferated the excitement of the toys in waves so strategically as soon as they perceived maybe that it might get stale they they reintroduced the next thing like the little oil rub symbols that either showed you whether the character was decepticon or autobot and then eventually the dinobots the insecticons then when they became that and during a very short period of time as well this was like almost on a monthly or bi-monthly thing then the combiners which were like five or six smaller robots that would then combine that could transform from vehicles to robots themselves and then actually also combine to to form a giant robot like voltron like 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 voltron like the constructicons form devastator and then when that became then that started to wear off then they came up with the triple changer which had two alt modes. It would be like a plane, a tank, and a robot. So nods to shouts out. And we didn't get to talk about the the, the, the Masterpiece toys, but Takara and companies like DX9, I love the toys you're doing. And someday I'm going to start buying more of them. All right. Rumble or Frenzy? Frenzy sounds cooler, but that sounds like a bad guy. It's Rumble. Rumble's a good guy? Rumbles, they're both bad guys. Oh, they're both bad guys. Okay, Rumble is the. Clear. I'm trying to decide based. Just I'm trying to figure Rumble. it out based on the names. So they're both little cassettes that pop out of Soundwaves. They're like little Soundwaves little minions. Rumble has little pile drivers that he causes causes earthquakes. So the correct answer is Rumble. Okay, fair enough. Starscream. There's no. There's no or there. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> Takara or Has- Hasbro. Takara. That's correct. Robots in disguise or more than meets the eye. Robots in disguise, because I remember when I was a kid, I thought they were saying robots in the sky. Robots in the sky. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought that they were saying. I probably, I think there's probably millions of kids that thought that. 
This is a good, this is an interesting one I want your take on. Robots or ninjas? <sighs> I know. Robots. The correct answer is robot ninjas. Oh, fair enough, yeah. fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. But Both that, very cool, though. I'll also accept robots. You know, when you read about real ninjas, though, they're not as cool as the, as the fictional ninjas. Bullshit. <laughs> Samurai were the really cool characters. What? In that, in that. Over ninjas? Ninjas are not what you think they are in real. In All real, right, in real fair life. enough. They, they weren't were... running around like fucking Ryu Hayabusa they're, with yes, katana and stuff. Yes, like that. they were. Don't shatter my illusions they're, of ninjas. A, a lot of the stuff with when you real, read about real ninjas is that they were like they were fighting in the shadows and stuff, but they were like somewhat disrespected. Yeah, they, like, they, were, they like, were. They were like shitty assassins. Basically. Yeah, they were assassins. They like had no honor. They were like the anti-samurai. Yeah, know? which is interesting. It is. But they're not what you. They're not like what people are envisioning. They weren't throwing hundreds and hundreds yeah. of ninja stars. Like, they weren't running with the sword like like Ryu with like holding it both with one hand as so he runs good. and just takes it out and puts it back in his sheath immediately. So not as cool as you think. Go read. Here's the departure: Ryu Hayabusa or Shinobi. Ryu Hayabusa. Oh, you're not gonna pick a Sega thing. No, you can like you could. It could be like Sega Genesis or <laughs> slow painful death. You're gonna pick. I'll pick slow, slow painful, painful death. death. Yeah. Michael Bay or George Lucas? <laughs> oh my God, George, George Lucas. Yeah, you got to go with Lucas. Um, <laughs> How much do you hate yourself? <laughs> and I'll do one last one. Well, I'll do a couple more. Cassette or CD? Cassette. Earth or Cybertron? Earth. Strength or intelligence? Intelligence. Speed or agility? That's a tough one. Aren't they the same? Well, agility is how quick you can maneuver. Speed is just straightly how, is how oh, quick, fast you could go. Agility. I like that answer. Citizen Kane or Unicron? What does that What does that mean? Citizen Kane, the movie? Yeah. Or what is you What is Unicron? Unicron was the character in Transformers, the movie that Orson Welles voiced. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Awesome. Citizen yeah, you, Kane, obviously. Yeah. That's incorrect. Oh, okay. okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Just one of the widely considered maybe the best movie of all time versus the uh, versus Unicron. <laughs> it's a tough battle, but I think Unicron's going to have to come out on top. All right, Rosebud. All right, well, I appreciate. You got the touch. What is that? I don't know any of these. You references. got the power. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you don't you don't know you got the touch? That's the theme song of Transformers the movie. But no, if you I don't saw think Boogie I know Nights. I did. Mark Wahlberg's character sings that in the movie. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Boogie Nights uh, Roller Girl. Oh, yes. Heather Graham. That's another. Let's do a Heather Graham topic. Speaking of uh, of gorgeous women, by the way, mm. in movies, uh, Transformers did give us Megan Fox. That's true. She is cute. Yeah, she's she was, cute. She I mean, she's fantastic. She, is she good in those films? I've I don't, think, I don't know that she's ever good, been good in a film, but, <laughs> I, but, I, but she was very pretty. She looks nice in the yeah. film. Okay, fair enough. Okay. That's it for this episode of... CLS Knockback. We hope you enjoyed it. Transformer centric. Dagan, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us. Your story you got time. the touch. I love the story, by the way. Yeah. Of that you told at the top of the you know of the car transforming and stuff like that. So that's a great. Should I animate that thing? You should. I, I was going to cut it out and just put it on Twitter before I even post this. this uh, but if you want me to hold it, we'll, we can. <laughs> oh, we can you're going to do that? Just that clip? Yeah, I was just going to post it because it's so. It's that's hundred percent true story. That was my introduction into Transformers. It it turned out better that got in the end. That's funny stuff, man. Well, I hope you all out there enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening to it. Remember, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand, And it helps us not only make this show, but it helps you make fireside chats, side quests, etc. What might be next? 
um, things I'm working on for the future. So if you like the if you like what we do and like what I do over at CLS, regardless of the show you like, whether it's Knockback or others, please support or consider supporting on Patreon, patreoncom stand. If you listen in free feeds, please remember to review us and score us if you like. You know, rate us whatever if you like the show. We really do appreciate that as well. It helps us uh, find new audiences algorithmically. I'll see you next time for more CLS Knockback and so will Dagan. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Collins Last Stand Knockback is fan supported over at patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand. The following names are at the producer level or higher on Patreon. And I want to thank you from the very bottom of my heart for your incredible kindness and generosity. Harshiv Bahia, Martin Beck, Fred Bentz, David Blodel, Mark Boggio, Spencer Brand, Isaac Brewer, Lennon Brixey, Matthew Brousseau, Josh Bushing, Austin Bullock, Andrew Burkhart, John Burry, Alex Cabrera, Will Caldwell, Luis Cancado, Matthew Canoy, Shermer Carter, William Cashel, Brian Chan, Travis Chandler, Sean Chandler, Kenneth Char, David Chestnut, Steve Clifford, Dan Clifford, Simon Conception Jr., Brad Cooley, Nick Cummings, Daniel D'Amour, Daniel Del Nikos, Mitchell Durkash, Luke Drake, David Ellis, Eric Finkenbeiner, Michael Fior, Connor Gazian, Alexander Gates, Michael Gates, Daniel Daniel Glassford, Tyler Goodwin, Josh Gravelick, Richard Green, Ryan Greenwood, Miranda Grubba, Andres Guzman, Tyler Harris, Wyatt Henry, Andrew Hess, Josh Yeager, Paul Joyce, Jeremy Key, Nathaniel Khalil, Taylor Christian Laudrin, Donald Laws, Joe Lawson, Don Q. Lee, Patrick Leslie, Dustin Lewis, Keith Adrian Lewis, Chad Lewis, Lewin Ray Loper, Josh M., Ryan T. Mandel, John McManus, Joe McPartland, Mike Menzel, Albert Miranda, Betty Ann Moriarty, Abe Mukhtar, Brian Nietzsche, Connor Nesbitt, Josh Netzel, Adam Nix, Adam O., Brian Ott, Jorge Palomino, Reed K. Park. Parker, Todd Paxton, Brendan Peavy, Marius Scars and Peterson, Enrique Perez, Eric A. Peterson, Jason Pettit, Lawrence F. Prokop, Eric R. Pryor, Jordan Ray, Ryan Reeves, Michael Renner, Peter Reynolds, Shane Rayum, Jonathan Rice, Austin Riley, Ryan Robertson, Ramon Rodriguez Jr., Petro Rose, Michael Sanchez, Matthew Savoy, John Schultz, Chris Schaefer, Mike Shaw, Rayanne Scheinabarger, Toby Schutman, German Sadu, Jordan Smith, Riley Smith, Alexander Suarez, Ahmad Tamar, Tam Tran, Kevin Van Eekren, Oakley Waldron, Justin Wagaman, Chris Wong, Michael Wells, Tyler Woodall, Corey Wyatt, Tony Zaniga, Super Shot ST, Casual Misfits Gaming, Mad Mock Media, Beric, Mubarak, Dav9834, Chris, Donk2015, and Random Guy Radio.